I say, Ben, now that we've been dealing with Daleks, who's your favorite companion? It's not you, Ben. I must say, you and Polly are actually quite boring as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know, I've always had a, a fondness for uh, Martha Jones. Uh, Captain Jack Harsness is very easy on the eyes. I, I just don't understand what, uh, your, what your preoccupation with Rose is. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think you're really... This is... What the devil is that noise? Mm, try no, it's not quite right. Mm. It, who is that? Excuse me. Hey, that's very. Hmm? That's very rude. It's very difficult yes. to carry on a conversation. Can you give with me back my... Constantly playing, playing Please, if you, here. If you think it's rude now, just wait until they take us all over. Uh, that won't destroy anything. Mm. What, what, what the devil am I looking at? It, it, does he just have? Who is this chap, and why does he have presumably many different instruments and trying out their military applications? Mm. That's not quite right. What is, is there anything that you're particularly looking... Can we help you with something? Yeah, We're in the middle we... of a very difficult conversation. Yes. The ramifications of which I don't even want to begin to... We're, we're, tr- we're, trying to, we're trying to understand who the best amongst you are. I don't have time to explain all my machinations. I have to explain to you why we're in mortal danger. Now let me rant for a while. Well, I, I, I mean, that's not much of an explanation now, is it? That's just uh, you playing the harmonica, it seems. Could, could you just provide... Just- Seriously, just explain something. Anything. Can you just I'm explain? I'm sorry. We have to be pirates now. What? How did that sound? You confounded him so much he lost his accent. <laughs> yeah, se- 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 seriously, can... What are you doing, Doctor? No, do- Doctor. Do- doctor. That's all I had. <laughs> I realize now, if in a way we may want to redo that, we because if you're the doctor, then I can't be the doctor. It, it's a really it, good idea, it doesn't though. Matter. No, because here's the fun thing. I don't give a shit. I just <laughs> love just when they first meet him, and they're like, "There's a lot of things that we." as the characters need to explain to the audience. He's just like, I'm going to play on my recorder. Yeah. The most annoying instrument ever invented. Oh, man. If he did the Jurassic Park, like, shitty recorder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, meme. If he did that instead, can you imagine? No joke. I genuinely wrote down the note while I was watching this. Why doesn't the doctor ever explain? Like, he goes... (laughs) The Daleks are dangerous. And they go, oh, nonsense. And leave it there. And he's like, no, no, let me explain. They're capable of destruction. Well, how do you know that? They destroy things. And I'm like, well, he, why don't you just say... They it a little bit later. They're like, I, yeah, well, I didn't explain it all that well, did you, I? You know yeah, how when yeah. you put a... It's when you put their funny. gun hand back in, it can be used as a gun. <laughs> I love how, like, they have have managed to reincarnate this alien being, but cannot figure out that stubby arm with laser at the end is a weapon. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> there, there's just a lot of really interesting things about this, and uh, maybe, maybe we should talk about who we are and why we are going to be disentangling this today. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Hello, everyone. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And my name is Phil. 
And welcome to the Cartoncast, the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today we are joined by our guest, Phil. Yes. Hello. Welcome Please to Dr. Egg your... and the Power of the Podcast. <laughs> Please, uh, <laughs> uh, t- tell us a little bit about yourself for, for those who do not know. Well, as far as your fans are concerned, I am a no, big fan. No, I'm going to need a posh accent. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Hello, That's, I'm uh, the doctor. I've so got, sultry. Not, I mean, if you want me to try to keep that up sul- the whole time. That's a very sultry doctor. <laughs> well, it's, you know. Actually, it's funny He's because I, I'm a big, so I'm a big fan of Doctor Who, as you two saw. <laughs> um, I, I, w- I started watching back in high school. Uh, on PBS, they were playing the old uh, John Pertwee and Tom Baker ones. This was in the late 90s, early 2000s. And... Um, yeah, and then I started just buying on VHS cassette like all the old ones from Hartnell and um, and Patrick Troughton. So yeah, I just you know I was a big fan of the show. I thought it was fun. Um, right? Who are you though? I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm a fan of the <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> That's you all you need to know for That's this episode. Description is fan of Doctor Who. <laughs> I'm also fan Honestly, of. That does a lot of mileage. <laughs> <laughs> for, for today, for today it does. Fan of Popeye. From your yes, we any formerly had you on the Popeye episode, which is one of I think our, that's our oldest. No, it has since been trounced by a 1930s production known as Fiddlesticks. Oh. Uh, but it was the second oldest cartoon that we have watched was uh, with you. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. That that yeah, rings and, true. Uh, yeah, um, and that that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, you you have deigned to come back on our program to talk about. Dr. I have Hughes. deigned, and yeah. I. It's actually appropriate that we are that it's not only are we de- I'm I'm the person who listened to your oldest or second oldest uh, cartoon. I've been called by some people as a joke a time traveler, and a couple others legitimately thinking I am one. <laughs> and I had to kind of explain like you do realize that knowing stuff from the past doesn't make me a time traveler. You <laughs> like, do look a little bit like the com- a combination of. Clark Kent and the Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, you and I went to a party, a 30s themed party, yes. uh, and we saw each other there. You didn't need to dress up. You were already wearing it, and then on your oh, way to yes. be in a play where you were also wearing it. <laughs> yes. It was my recollection. Cheeks. You could perpetually look like a six years old boy out of school. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say there have been many people who have actually asked me things like, uh, well, when they start hearing me talk that, like, I've seen every Abbott and Costello movie, or every, which, by the way, is not that hard. I mean, you just sit down and watch them. Like, they are available. Like, this is not... <laughs> it's not like I know, like, like, oh, like, have you seen Seth Rogen's last movie? It takes place... It, it's from 2050. Oh, oh, what a giveaway. <laughs> like, that would be like, okay, he's definitely a time traveler. But this is me going, like, have you seen this movie that's 100 years old? It's great. Like, I, didn't I, I would love Rogen to see Seth Rogen in an Abbott and Costello power. remake. I would like to see him in, like, a, you know, late life cycle, Robin Williams tries to do serious shit kind of thing. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. You know? But uh, I, I actually, Phil, we actually met, uh, like, as soon as we met, you were like, hey, you want to watch four episodes of, you know, The Fourth Doctor? And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I'm here and I do. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's that's the context in which I know you. Uh, and so we actually, you know, the, the show that we're talking about today is 
complicated to understand, but it was Doctor recommended Who's to us. Strength of the Daleks. It was recommended to us by a fan, uh, Thomas Meehan. And we've been trying to get this scheduled for a while now. It's it's sort of a scrambled right. segment, but this is a rare Doctor Who animated feature. And, uh, you know, in order to do it justice, we needed your expertise because otherwise <laughs> there's not a ton that Ben and I could probably say because we don't know much. <laughs> I know a lot about uh, Christopher Eccleston's Ninth Doctor. Oh, yeah. I mean, and maybe that's like a great place to start is just like our experiences with Doctor Who because yeah. it seems as though you are somewhat of a Whovian. Um, and I also have some experiences with, uh, with, with Doctor Who that I enjoy, although I'm not like a, a huge you know, nerd about it. Well, do you, I mean, do you guys want to go first? Or Actually, do you want me to go first? Just, to, just so we have it out in front, uh, is there anywhere that people can find you? What do you do on, you know, on the, the internet. internets? If there's anything that you want to plug ahead of time, anywhere people can find you. And we'll ask again at the end. I don't always know yeah, where ask me at the, I'm gonna, it I'll sense. think about that. I have no projects on right now. If you want to hear me it. in my latest project, actually, you can hear me in this exact podcast, so you've already made it. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, that that is that is fine. I just uh, I wanted to give it the chance in case you wanted to get that out in front. Yeah, I'll, we don't I'll, actually have like structure per se. It's my type of podcast at all. Um, <laughs> he's he's been on Nick's podcast. He knows. I'm I'm, I'm comfortable <laughs> yeah. with starting out with like my experience with Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So I I came to Doctor Who I guess fairly late in his life cycle or late in the number of life cycles he's had, right? Like, I, I didn't watch all the old stuff, which I think sets us apart, Phil. Um, I came to him in kind of the more recent run of Doctor Who's, um, starting with Christopher Eccleston. I stayed with him throughout the David Tennant years, and then I started falling off of Matt Smith just because it started feeling kind of samey and a little bit less special, a little bit less fresh. I really liked the Christopher Eccleston bits because, like, he wasn't just, like, a paragon of goodness. He also had some, like... It seemed like some pretty obvious, like, PTSD, Dr. Manhattan, holier-than-thou kind of anger right. levels that really connected with me. And that also made me appreciate this incarnation of the Doctor, because he does feel very other. But I liked him for, you know, for both of the ninth and 10th Doctors quite a bit. I, I found it really compelling sci-fi, both in, like... Both in, like, the the nature of each kind of self-contained story is, like, a different... It's like Twilight Zone, right? It's Twilight hmm. Zone with a arc, is kind of how I think about it. Mm. Mm, it's 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 got a lot to it. I there's a photo of me from Halloween from when I was 14 when I dressed up as the fourth doctor. Oh yeah. I show notes. Don't know where I had seen this before because I hadn't watched any Doctor wow. Who at that point. I don't know how I knew about the character. I think I just saw online that there was a guy with a long scarf, and I'm like, that is cool. <laughs> and I That's decided us. that's what I have to do. It's before Harry I Potter. Rem- the first episode yeah. I watched of Doctor Who was the you know the Christmas special where he turned into the 10th Doctor, and, and that was really my only exposure to it was the wow. 10th Doctor. I haven't really looked into much else. Oh, you, but, don't, you don't know the 9th? I, I don't think I saw the ninth. I, I think I saw like. Jam. I think I saw. Do me a favor like, and go back to it at some point when he died, like quote unquote. But I, I have an appreciation for the chronology and the history, just in terms of like, you know, it's it's something with a storied past and something you can really get lost in. Yeah. In terms of the lore. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, so I think your... I, I have more of a respect for Doctor Who than I have an appreciation of it. It's it's one of those like really long running series that you can't help but just kind of admire for its longevity. Like it it clearly right. connects with people on a pretty like 
you know, I don't know if you you have in recent years gone to like a bunch of conventions. There's always a Whovian segment. There's always like a cluster packed into <laughs> a, a a aperture that seems like it shouldn't hold that many people. You know, it's like it's almost as though it's bigger on the inside than the outside or something. But I think that there is something like primal in like sci-fi fandoms that Doctor Who just yeah. connected to before anyone else did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've actually been trying to think about what it is that I like about it because, um, well, well, I'll get into that in a second, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so my history is, is, I think there's two things about my history. I, I did not, I grew up in the 90s and the late 80s um, and I'm dribbling over into the 2000s. I think I'm the only one who can say he went to, uh, you know, from kindergarten to 12th grade in three different decades. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just kept taking electives. No, um, no, but because like I, you know, started in the late '80s, ended in the early 2000s, um, and for all of that, I've sort of touched on this earlier in the podcast. I was always watching like really old stuff. I mean, like Buster Keaton and and you know, yeah, Humphrey you are Bogart a man out of time. And, oh, completely, completely. And yes. um, to watch something from the '60s was a huge stretch for me, actually. Um, to watch something like well, and actually <laughs> by modern. then it was the '70s. No, yeah, Way right. Too modern. This, this, well, the 70s like sort of said to me, like, they tipped their hat and went, it's nice to have you, Phil. Um, <laughs> like, we haven't seen much yet. <laughs> Finally, someone with gravitas, somebody who's been through it all. Meanwhile, Seinfeld's on going like, can you just watch me, please? Like, I'm right here. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm having a, I'm having a moment here. You're far um, too expressive. Too many laugh tracks. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I watched on Saturday mornings... I'm sorry, Thundercats, not you. Um, I watched a little bit of Beekman's World. I think that was the, the new thing. Um, yeah. But then I watched, like, The Little Rascals, and I watched, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, and near the end of high school, I, saw, I had seen Doctor Who in, like, old catalogs and stuff. You know, this is really dating me, that catalogs hmm. are still around. And I was always like, yeah, what is seen. this? You know, I knew Monty Python. I knew uh, Red Dwarf, even. Um, and Doctor Who just kind of passed me by. And suddenly, Doctor Who was being played on PBS at a time that my... Like, it wasn't at night. It used to be at night. And all of a sudden, it was on Sunday afternoons. So I was able to record it. And um, I saw a little bit of Tom Baker. Um, but then the other channel was playing uh, John Pertwee. And so I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And I really started enjoying that. Um, to the point where I was started buying all the old ones from Hartnell and Troughton um, and kind of just kept watching. And then when it got rebooted, I was like thrilled. And um, <laughs> Have you kept up with the reboot? I've watched every episode, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I have a spreadsheet, actually, that I just made to see how much I've watched of all of Doctor no, Who. No, 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 no. There's did. no way. <laughs> it's too so much. You have, shit, you have to show us it. I, yeah. Um, show notes. I, I, I will. Unfortunately, the card that I had it on just died, and I haven't repaired it yet. Um, uh, it's Excel spreadsheets, or it didn't happen, Phil. All right, hold on. I might <laughs> even have it on my on this computer. Um, oh, you're getting him in, in a digression, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, so, so I have just, seen just over seventy percent of all Doctor Who, as it turned out, which was a surprise to me. I did not think it was that much. Yeah, which is impressive because. Some of it, ironically, has been lost to, to time. You know, back yeah. in the 60s and 70s, they weren't saving and cataloging everything. It was like, what's a rerun? We're going to put it out there. They're going to watch it, and then we'll make a new one. 
Man, the yeah. time in which we didn't know that TV would want to be like we that it that, would that be, it'd be around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like what, what is that even like? I, I, I have no idea. It's it's um, kind of a travesty too because some of these like the one that we watched was actually not bad. You know, it really is. It was pretty good. It had some really fun parts. Um, and, and again, that is called uh, that is called Doctor Who and the Honor of the Daleks. The uh, the power. It's a double entendre, Ben, because of the electricity. Yeah, oh, okay. I see. yeah. Um, can I can I too. say a little bit about you know Doctor Who and why it's appealing? Just yeah. by looking, comparing it to the American version that came out around the same time, Star Trek, sure. where you right. have this right. sort of philosophical look at modern issues taken from a fantastical perspective, and I think Doctor Who, you know, it it, it has resisted being reinvented. Star Trek is now an action series in a lot of ways, mm. um, but I think it just. It, it had a better explanation for why this one guy was having adventures. With Star Trek, it's like, we found a planet where everything is like it would be in 1960s America. I'm like, <laughs> why? Why would you allow that as a plot point? But for Doctor <laughs> Who, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> right, right. Oh, we met Vincent Van Gogh. Good for us. <laughs> I think it also sort of, uh, it sort of comments upon the uh, ideology of each nation in that year, yes. uh, in those years. Because, like, Star Trek, you know, as much as the Prime Directive says don't interfere with shit, you can imagine still seeing us as the heroes of the universe as being sort of an imperialist <laughs> yes. attitude. Well, That's don't, don't interfere point. with the primitive cultures, but what if they have, you know, oil? Or, or what if we just yeah, what, what, if they, what if they have oil? <laughs> yeah, they, these backward savages got some real Vulcan man's burden going on. But uh, in... in um, <laughs> but in you know there isn't kind of that manifest destiny sort of twinge to Doctor Who. It's more just like let's fucking. It's just so much more tame well, the, the, and calm. It's just let's well, the bumble British around idea, history and enjoy ourselves. The British idea of we have dominion over all space and time. We're just not gonna you know we're not gonna talk about it. <laughs> we, yeah, we don't want to be we don't want to be pricks about that it. That is so let's English. Just enjoy ourselves. Yes, of course we took over. That was the exact plan from the beginning. In fact, it wasn't plan. It was God's plan. What? It's like, <laughs> yeah, there is a little bit of, I mean, not to, I don't want to actually get still into has the, a, It still has a, you know, kind of a dint of superiority about it, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I don't want to get into the, the story propaganda. quite yet because I think that you're right to have this be a little bit more like, like what you're saying. But like, um, the fact that he just kind of wanders onto this planet, assumes somebody else's identity, and that's, that's always okay. Like, that's totally fine. <laughs> that's a never a problem at all with anybody. It only becomes a, like, it, it gets called out as bad behavior multiple times before he's ever actually taken a task on it. Yeah, and, and at the end they go, well, thank God you took his identity. Otherwise, you'd never have stopped the Daleks. I mean, they don't say that explicitly, but essentially they're going to go, you kind of committed a crime, but... Whoopty frickin' do. I mean, like, he, he, the situations the doctor gets put into are usually there is a system in place that doesn't work, and it needs, like, a little spark of chaos. And that's what the right. doctor kind of is. Yes. He shows up, he does he does something. Very rarely is he like, we need to put down this insurrection because the natural order of things is going fine. Yeah. Well, he it's never that like against, that. Yeah, it's it's... It almost makes me wonder about, like, the cosmology of Doctor Who. Like, why exactly does his random forays into the universe always result in, like, uncovering this diabolical scheme to right. grab power from each place that he's in? Or, like, this tyrannical dictatorship that he needs to, like, kind of uncover. Why is he allowed and, to do this? 
Well, it, can I tell you just why? Like everywhere he goes, shit's <laughs> fucked up. Ooh, maybe ooh, Phil, Phil's got answers. I, I'm gonna say why, and it's okay if oh, I yeah. have. Let, I let have. Me, hang on, before you even start that, this episode is for you to talk about Doctor Who. Yeah. Yes. This is your chance. I want to hear everything you have to say. Well, <laughs> I, I also want to get back in just comparing it to Star Trek everything. too, and I have something to say yeah, about please. that too. But um, I'll William Hartnell, his stories. With almost zero exceptions, this are, is second doctor, right? What's that? Second you doctor. You need to give us context. You just put oh, a name. Sorry, out of there William Hartnell is the very first doctor. William okay, Hartnell okay. is the very first doctor, and he, they took a while to figure out what this show was and what was making it successful. The original idea for the show was. Let's have a guy who travels back in time and interacts with Marco Polo and the Aztecs and goes to the OK Corral. Like, that was what the show was supposed to be. The That's fifth so tame. Uh, tame and boring. Honestly, every, <laughs> yeah. every historical episode back then was purely like, let's teach you who Marco Polo was. Good, we did yeah. that. Um, however... Let's they teach still you have a kernel of that in, in the modern incarnation. So there is no sci-fi in the historical episodes. It is purely, this is Marco Polo. Furthermore, yeah. every story, sci-fi or otherwise, was, hmm, we've landed. Hmm, now let's go away. Hmm, let's split up. Hmm, I don't know where my companions are. I don't even know if I care because I'm just the first doctor who has quite a lot of disregard for just about anybody who isn't me. <laughs> and they just... <laughs> They just seriously, they wander away from the TARDIS. They either are separated from the TARDIS, separated from each other, or both. They find each other. They find a TARDIS. Episodes are over. And it it's is, like they're on vacation. It is so... It's just Gilligan's Island with more steps. From the, from the resort again. It is hard to make that interesting, honestly. Like, we're sitting there watching these, um, and the reconstructions don't help. I will say that. But even the ones that are fully there, if it's a historical episode, we knew, like, oh, please make this a four-episode, or, oh, no, it's six. Because <laughs> while I'll give the show credit that I did learn something, like, I had no idea about the, the massacre at St. Bartholomew. I learned something there. I didn't know certain things about uh, the OK Corral. You know, I didn't know that. Um, you and learned I them against your will, though. You were looking for entertainment. Yeah, that's not what you were sitting down for. <laughs> a little bit. And, and I kept, it was kind of funny because I'm like, I'm a massive fan of the show. And even though I'll admit, I, I think what makes Doctor Who good is that when it's good, it's like the best science fiction you're going to see. The problem with that is that it really is at the expense of the bad episodes. And when it's bad, it's like really awful. Um, and I would maintain that like an episode like... Um, the Empty Child, freaking phenomenal! Like it is Isn't such. Is that the Doctor Dances? That's the pre. Yeah, it's it's the two part or the first of two parts where it ends with Doctor Dances. Like I think oh, we can God, all agree that. Is a that good episode. Uh, by the way, the conditions under which I watched this one, where creepy gas mask children come out and terrorize these people. Are you my mommy? Um. <laughs> I watched that in a pitch black basement with a friend yes. of mine. Yes, 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 yes. Where yes. the light switch was on the other corner of the room. Oh my god! You created your I own was Doctor Who nightmare. Terrified. I was. And there was I this mean, horrible statue in between the weeping angels <laughs> keeping me from the light switch. I genuinely like you know as an adult I watched. I mean I was you know I was like what twenty three when that came out, and I was terrified to walk across a basement floor at the age of twenty three because this thing <laughs> the was so effective. Twenty three is the new four years old. I don't know if anyone <laughs> told you, especially mm -hmm. with that. But like 
compare that to like say oh gosh i'm trying to think of one that the, the fans would know that's just so boring and it's just oh it boy, it has definitely it has definitely shifted over the years in in its construction what i found is really engaging about modern doctor who at least for a while was that they they did these like bite-sized story segments that are like one or two episodes that are self-contained and it can consist of just the doctor goes to a place and uncovers the thing and then solves it with his companions and his know-how. And, you know, there's some cool sci-fi in that, right, with the doctor so, dances and the and the empty child. But also they are were, were more capable of threading that story within an arc, like the bad wolf arc, which is right. my favorite moment in the whole series. Um and like I, I think that just it, it's more appealing to a modern audience who kind of wants that ebb and flow in storytelling. So I would say this too. I, I actually would think if you go back and watch the old ones, I don't even necessarily think it's from a modern sensibility because as we've established, I don't have a modern sensibility. <laughs> and yet even I, you know, I can watch an old movie and go, okay, you know, this has a totally different pacing, but I'm watching it in the context like this was made in 1941, like the con- that the pacing's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with old TV. I mean, my favorite shows growing up were the Dick Van Dyke show and Get Smart and stuff like that. Like those are my yeah. favorite shows growing up. Um so I, I'm okay with like slow pacing or awkward pacing like from these shows, oh, but yeah. this but this early William Hartnell Doctor Who it was it was it was rare that we found one that kind of caught our interest because um, uh, oh so I'm going back and rewatching all these in order and and watching a lot of these for the first time because again I I started more with Third Doctor. Yeah. John Pertwee mm. and Tom Baker. Those are the ones I watched a lot of. Um, so I haven't seen a lot of first and second. I'd seen enough to know who they were and what they were all about. And like, you know, I knew the recorder and I knew all that stuff. Um, Was, is the is the recorder just a thing that the second doctor does yeah, all he, the time? Every doctor mm. has a little gimmick. You know, you got a scarf, you got a piece of celery, you the got celery. a question mark. Yeah. Spoilers. It gets abandoned celery. quickly. The celery? Uh, no, no the, the recorder. The, the recorder. Um, I, I can imagine like that looks like it's it's good for a gag. Let, let's let him, let's let him finish his thought because I I want to I want to get to talk well, about the second. Well, just doctor. to get into that, I think the first no, doctor's thing that got abandoned quickly was being a freaking dick. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does look pretty dickish. Um, well, not to spoil too much. This is like literally moment. This is within the first hour and a half of Doctor Who ever. Um, in order to escape from wherever they are, he almost brains a caveman with a rock. By the way, the doctor, <laughs> yes, almost killed a human being. By the way, we don't know what the progeny of that caveman eventually is. That could have messed up all of time, braining in that he caveman just, a million years before he knows that stuff's going to happen. Um, but he does it, and it's only through Ian Chesterton holding his arm going, you better not try that again, doctor. <laughs> that he doesn't brain in Hey, time traveler, you know that, like, time has ramifications, right? Marty, um, we have to be sure not to interfere with anything. <laughs> By the way, uh, yeah, to go on a slight diversion there, yes, movie one. No, Marty, you cannot leave this house. You cannot interact with anyone. Cut to the third movie, knocking trains off of cliffs. I'm sorry, what the <laughs> hell are you it's doing? So good. How but dare I, you? I love that arc because, like, they, like, sort of behaved in the second movie. And in the third one, they're like, we're in the fucking Wild West. No one gives a shit anymore. Let's just do everything uh, we want to do with these characters I, It's why forever. I hate... I, well, not hate. It's why Mad the Dog third Tannen? one, I kind of, like... The first fan? one, I... What's that? Mad Dog Tannen, you're not a fan? <laughs> this, this is the issue with sci-fi and time travel stories in general is... 
the longer it goes on, the chances that it will jump to shark and do something gimmicky and nonsensical approaches infinity real quick. This Can I say? Sliders, Star Trek, like, you oh, don't know what's going to yeah. work ahead of time. Oh, no. Um, Dark, by the way, I'm going to big a big shout out. Nothing that I've ever done, but I'm going to shout out for Dark, a show without giving anything away that knew exactly what it was doing from day one. Um, I just was recently... Like just, Lost. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine no. if Lost knew what it was doing and had stapled yeah. everything down. That's what this show is. It's like, mm. yeah, it's very good. Um, and I was ju- I just finished season three, um, which is the end. Um, and I was reading a little thing about like, did you see that they seeded this stuff as early as episode one? And I'm like, holy cow, this is amazing. They knew exactly That's really what they cool. were doing. Yeah. The gravity it, falls of time travel. <laughs> sci-fi. Yes. That's a rarity. Um, so... The do- I don't know. Where, where are we? we? We've got about the second seven doctors. Where, so we so Doctor like Who, for those that really don't know what we're talking about, Doctor Who is a character that has oh, persisted yeah, we since... Oh, yeah, just launched right in. Jeez. Yeah, it, it's been <laughs> running on and off in a variety of media since 1963, and what we're watching is The Power of the Daleks, which is a six-episode serial from 1966, <laughs> and it follows the first adventure of the second Doctor. What Doctor Who does is, when they need a new main character... They just get a new one and say, well, the doctor in universe died and he reincarnates and he can do that 13 times. So he's he's safe. He's good. He's not going anywhere. So there's no way this lasts for 13 doctors. Well, they they, uh, okay. they recently were like, right. hey, we're going to do some time travel clone nonsense. So now you get an extra 13. Oh, that's nice. They couldn't you just said, you know, there were some error bars on that figure. Yeah, like, yeah, standard deviation. <laughs> well, cats get so anywhere between six and thirteen lives. It's that, kind of hard to hard to that gauge. Twelve slash thirteen live thing, which they retconned in in the new series, was already a thing that they did. I mean, that was that was something they added in the fourth Doctor's run, and immediately afterwards they were like, "Was that a mistake? Oh yeah, that was a mistake. Oh, <laughs> we, should, we shouldn't what have given we ourselves do? that time limit." <laughs> I really kind of respect a series. Like that, uh, there's two ways you can do the sci-fi. One is serious, make everything work in universe. Just say right. no, this has an actual explanation. This is how the Babylon Five fucking star thrusters right. work physically. And the other way is you pull a future man, which is right. just you just say the way things are and say time travel's fucking stupid. You know, yeah. like Bruce Willis talking to uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt yes. in uh, it is like the best scene in um. In uh, in Looper, where he's just like, just, just fucking stop it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not gonna make <laughs> sense. Watch what our narrative is doing. Don't yeah. worry about the right. facts. Right. Just watch the narrative. Well, and the we'll first time I watched Looper, the first time I watched Looper, I got all caught up on the straws, and I hated it. And then I recently rewatched it. Actually, it was the first movie I watched. Uh, during the pandemic, am I allowed to mention the pandemic? I shouldn't mention the pandemic. You can mention the it's pandemic. The first- we've been talking we've about been it talking for, about for it, months. Yeah. Okay, all right. Because um, <laughs> this will date this episode so bad. Um, but uh, this, this episode, this the you know, will the it? Power of this the is going to go on for years. Modern sensibility, a lot, a lot of stuff that's yes. still relevant. Yes. <laughs> Um, but I, I watched Looper again, and this time I just went, oh, for crying out loud. Okay, so he's cutting off this guy's finger, and it falls off now. No, he would have arrived with no finger and, like, no nose. <laughs> like, no, what the? Okay, just go with it, my God. Like, yeah, like, it's, fine. It's, 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 it's lake house rules. He plants a tree, and suddenly it appears out of nowhere. No. That's I mean, the problem. Like, any, any time travel know. mechanic that's confusing at first is stupid later, once you so understand watch, it. What I... The, the thing that I don't like is when a 
when a when a time travel story tries to do ha, tries to have it both ways, where like they don't explain it sufficiently, but they right. feel it like they try to tell you that they have. What I prefer <laughs> is the yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure yes. paradigm, yes. where they're just like, you know what? If we just do it later in the future, it'll probably work out, and then they just <laughs> it just works out, and they like, spoilers. Put everything it's back. one of the greatest endings ever. To uh, both so movies good. have really good endings, but yeah, <laughs> they're coming um, out on the third one. Yeah, uh, so yeah. for listeners, we're recording this uh, a week before that third movie is coming out, which is why we're not digressing. But furthermore, I'd like to think that we <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have digressed anyway for the sake of the listener and not spoiling oh, yes, what's yes. automatically going to be what's, according to one viewer, a movie that made him cry. Um, <laughs> Silent Bob cried over this movie, so I am so excited. Ooh, really? Um, um, so yeah, I guess, I guess we should streamline back a little bit. Yeah, we, um, honestly, I'm gonna, we could digress if, infinitely, but maybe we shouldn't. I'm gonna, if I can bring it back, what I'm going to say... Yeah, you got it. I was going to say this, that Doctor Who, my whole reason, what, what I was saying earlier was Doctor Who, at the beginning, was, let's do a historical... It was supposed to just be history, and they realized these aren't totally grabbing people. So let's do history, followed by sci-fi, followed by history, followed by sci-fi. Uh, the Daleks, by the way, were the first science fiction story ever on the show. Very nice. And they were supposed to be a one-off, um, but everyone loved them so much. <laughs> that, that is very clear from their construction. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing the that the way... show of modern Doctor Who oh. is really funny. <laughs> All right, if you don't want spoilers about how the Daleks, like what happens in that one, um, what? Sk- skip forward. Uh, Alexa, skip forward on this podcast 20 seconds. Um, the stuff that happens want... to the Daleks always happens to the Daleks. It's the same every time. Well, no, but this is the weird part. It, well, sort of. Um, the first time he defeats the Daleks... Okay, if you don't want to hear it, just mute this for like 20 seconds. Or, or Alexa. Uh, I'll, I'll do you one better. If anybody doesn't want Doctor Who spoilers of any sort, first of all, you probably have gone too far. But second of all, yeah. stop now. Yeah, just stop now. Just, we're we're going to... Sp- yes, yep. that's great. We're going to spoil, spoil Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. Go watch the entirety of Doctor Who like I am right now. And when you're done with that in five <laughs> years, Phil then Hobby. you can listen to this episode. The Cartoncast episode. does not endorse this viewpoint. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just stated don't watch the, the historical ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, sorry, don't continue. do that. Don't do that. But anyway, so... So then they so they said let's do Daleks and and the and the person who'd created the idea who'd given this to Verity Lambert um, he said no I said no sci-fi monsters it's just a historical show where kids learn about history she went trust me and he went okay no these are great so they they did that and um, what you notice okay so going back to my original point this is what I was trying to say for the first three seasons regardless of whether it's historical or not it's kind of like Wander away from the TARDIS and then finally get back to the TARDIS. Wander away from the TARDIS, someone steals the TARDIS. Wander away from each other, find each other, go back to the TARDIS. It, it is kind of the same story with just a different backdrop every time. Like, change the background curtain and you've now got... Now this time we got away from the, from the TARDIS in ancient Rome. Now we got away <laughs> from the TARDIS in, on a weird planet with Mercury on it. Like, no... Then they started realizing that what makes the show kind of good is when he's kind of Sherlock Holmes in space. This was a, mm-hmm. a, a friend yep. of mine uh, <clears throat> said it that way. And, yeah. and, and I said, you're right. And, and it's you just when immediately pop the hugest direction. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, and basically, when he stumbles upon something and realizes, oh, I'm intrigued by this. And either just out of benevolence wants to help the people go, well, we can't just leave these people in this thing. You kind of get behind that. That's not just, we got away from the TARDIS because at a certain point you go, well, stop wandering away from the TARDIS. 
Stop <laughs> wandering away from each other. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to just go out check out 17th century France for a while. Well, how about you do it together? How about you <laughs> yeah. do it like within a mile of the TARDIS? What are you doing? Like this so- is pretty early in the like in the realm of like syndicated television <clears throat> too, right? So like right. It's, right. it's it. I think they they twigged onto the idea that you needed a formula, and that's true of modern Doctor Who as well. They didn't really have that formula right to begin with. Right. I'm like, surprised. It, it would get boring. I'm surprised it survived. It survived as long as it did because, as a fan of Doctor Who, I actually felt a little guilty as I'm watching all this. I'm like, okay, wait. I'm not really enjoying much of this Hartnell uh, who like every so often we get one that's like really good and then it's just kind of the sea of like why am I bored and I thought about it I'm like okay what are the ones I really like and I thought about it I'm like I like whole seasons of John Pertwee I like whole seasons of Tom Baker I like you know a, like real huge chunks of, of uh, Matt Smith and, and, uh, um, and David Tennant so what am I not liking about this? And then I stopped and thought, like, what are the ones that I like? And it was this idea of, like, oh, it's when he's so intrigued by something he can't let it go. Or he mm-hmm. realizes these people need help. And he goes, oh, actually, I've got some experience. Maybe I can help. And then he becomes so, in, you know, wrapped up in it that he can't leave. And this is one of the first episodes that actually kind of did that. It did it in a clunky way where he's like, why don't I just impersonate someone who just died? As opposed to <laughs> how about he goes, hey, there's a dead guy out here. Can I help? Like, why not just do it that way? <laughs> Looks like you got a big dead guy problem here. So, so if I if I can try to unpack your point a little bit, I it seems to me yeah. as though there's a question on like whether or not you enjoy Doctor Who based on who the Doctor is portrayed as, like what their character is, or what the story behind each episode is. And maybe it's like a, a complicated quotient of both of them together. Of like, maybe you didn't like the early ones because the Doctor was dickish and not really a hero of his own story and also that it was boring but it for it, this <laughs> for the power of the daleks i think that what we have is an amicable if strange doctor and also a good sci-fi story around it and like i th- i think that that's enough above the barrier to entry that you were just able to connect to it yeah i i and think I th- you i think you yeah. summed it up in a much less verbose way than i did <laughs> You have a lot more facts to bring to it, so it makes sense that they'd trip over each other a little <laughs> bit. I'm not going not gonna to dock you points for that. I think it's a very interesting one because, yes, it's a sci-fi story with these otherworldly Daleks, but it's within the context of, you know, a historical type of power struggle that could very easily have come out of the historical side of things, you know? Yeah, and it, it is sort of like um, when we talked about Lupin the Third, how your enjoyment of it really is, is bolstered by how much you know of the franchise, like, I enjoyed a lot of this because I knew a lot about the war with the Daleks. Um, mm. I knew a lot about doc, the, how, what the Doctor's relationship to his companions is. I knew all of that going in, and it made a lot of this. This did resonate with me in modern incarnations of Doctor Who. It felt like a modern episode mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yes. And I think this is, this is about when they started... Uh, doing more than just going like, oh, we're, we're trapped here. Oh, we can't get back. Um, yeah, I th- I'm trying to think of the first one that I saw where I'm like, oh, this is a little different. Um, mm-hmm. And that wasn't, oh, by the way, I wanted to say too, that wasn't always bad. The very first story is them getting trapped by cavemen. And the second one is them getting trapped by Daleks. Both excellent stories. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad. It's just that like once it was just kept being that, it, you kind of go, 
you guys got anything else up your sleeve? And once it started becoming like, ooh, we can use our smarts. Like, this was a big chess game. You know, Quinn yeah. is playing a chess game against Bragan, and Bragan is playing a chess game against the Doctor, and the Doctor is trying to get the Daleks, who is using, you know, uh, I mean, Lesterson is the pawn. That's yeah. being well, kind of let's let's start let's start getting into kind of the characters in this story. Well, well, maybe maybe you, you want to set up the plot. I, I, I want to explain briefly that what we're watching was a live action episode or series of episodes, uh, but the original video was lost and the it audio fell into remained. The time vortex, and then and then <laughs> they recreated the whole thing to animation, which aired on the fiftieth anniversary of the first airing uh, back in twenty sixteen. Um, and then it was re-released me. with some improved animations just this past year. So um, it's, it's a really interesting because it it doesn't look like an animation that was created in the past ten years. Like it it, looks... it doesn't look like anything. Right. No. Well, the things that it kind of reminded me of were um, uh, it actually reminded me of the '70s Star Trek animated series, oh, just like yeah. really kind of jerky animations. Yep. Yeah, that's a um, good. Uh, yeah, or even Scooby Doo for a lot of it, because like a lot of it focuses on like the eye motions of people, and also like the 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 way they're drawn is just like real bold lines. Uh, a lot of shading. You, it it yeah. didn't feel like it didn't feel clean or like smooth. It, it was like a comic it, book somebody tried to animate. It, it looked like somebody drawing animatronic statues <laughs> moving, at, like a Chuck E. Cheese's or something. Like, so they don't feel real to me, uh, I, which isn't a complaint. It just it doesn't feel like modern animation. It, it, I'll put it this way too. I've now seen the other animations that they came out with. Um, I also just bought. Um, what was it? The faceless ones and uh, the animation. Well, uh, to say it gets better is sort of saying this isn't very good. This is actually pretty good, um, but it is jerky. Oh, I really liked it. The, it's got a definite style to it. The macro terror and um, the faceless ones look more like Archer. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> it, it does look a little like Archer too. This one looks like Archer before they kind of knew all the tricks about anime. Like they knew the basic. This is a very basic one, in my opinion. Um, it's it, it's it was Archer a with jerky. Gumby physics. It was very Gumby jerky. Yes. Um, so the I the other thing that the other two do, and I, I have this as a note that I wanted to say. This one was very purist. It said every second of the audio track will be preserved. Mm-hmm. And the other two go, okay, this is a lot of what was probably movement <laughs> for physical people, which we can animate yep. really fast. Whoa, that's like 30 seconds of silence, How, which is like an eternity. Um, and in the other ones, they just cut them out. And they kind yeah. of animated. That was probably wise. And as much as I am a purist, I mean, I watched the animation with a reconstruction to kind of get both. As I like seeing the original pictures, and occasionally they have real footage of it that someone shot off their TV with a Super 8 camera. Or <laughs> um, we actually noticed it was kind of funny. This is a little weird. Thanks, tidbit. pirates. <laughs> From the 60s. Um, but there's a really funny bit. Uh, we started noticing that every little bit of extant uh, footage that kept, was kept were people getting guns aimed at them, people getting hanged. Um, we started going like, these are the most violent things. What we found out was that in Australia, they would cut them out, but they just had them lying around because they went, we got to censor this. This is too violent for Australian TV. So we have all the most horrible, violent, like disturbing images of Doctor Who from the 60s. And that's basically <laughs> the only thing that's left. 
Um, yeah, the, the censors got grandfathered out, I guess. W- while we're talking yeah. about violence, I have a little fun fact here that I don't know where else yeah. to put in. The, the first episode of Doctor Who uh, in broadcast was postponed by 80 seconds because yes. of the JFK assassination. Yep. Whoa, really? Which is just really weird. <laughs> 80 seconds for out of respect out of respect for the Dew of the Dead? I think like, I think the like news the broadcast went a little long. I think that's what happened. Uh, I I like the the idea that they just held a minute of silence before <laughs> they turned the cameras on and nobody, started rolling the film. Nobody watched it. Um and uh, they actually, what, what Verity Lambert did was to uh, insist that they repeat the first episode the following week before mm-hmm. the second episode. And mm-hmm. th- she was very savvy. She knew exactly what she was doing at every step. Every step. Imagine, she- if, they d- imagine if they had that, uh, that tact and, and insight with Firefly. What could have oh, been? Su- such a good connection. <laughs> uh, like... If only. I remember. Okay. JFK assassination, Sox game, same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll just just to be a slight diversion here. I started watching Firefly, <laughs> and I watched them in the order that they were broadcast. Cool. Two minute. No, I mean two minutes into episode in inverted commas one, which is episode mm. two for you, like you know, for the perceptive of you, Plebeians, you know, the train yes. job, right? Oh God, I was like, okay, this is baffling. This is being said like I'm supposed to know it. This is not something like they're yeah. saying, like they're going brown coats, the war. And I'm like, they're saying this like I'm supposed to know this. This is clearly not the first episode. Then I looked and I'm like, apparently it is the first episode. Then I looked at the history and I went, oh, there's a 90 minute pilot that was broadcast <laughs> some last for some required. reason. I might go watch that. And then I found out most fans watch it that way. And I went, I watched yep. it and went, how the hell is anybody supposed to know what the heck was going on? And then I went, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what happened. And that's why that showed got canceled if yep. if you watch it with Fox. the commentary tracks on they explain like we knew that we had to introduce people in the second episode as if it was the first so here's all the tiny things we tried to do to reduce <laughs> friction <laughs> oh that's really cool i, I hadn't realized that Amazing. they made some accommodations so anyway yes, we doctor are getting who. so fucking sidetracked <laughs> what's doctor no who? what are we talking about oh, let, yeah, us, yeah. let us go back to this the, the, the uh, doctor and his allies arrive on a space colony vulcan they find a murdered inspector from earth the doctor take, takes his badge they find out the yep. colony is dealing with an insurrection that is going to overthrow the governor. The head scientist finds some Daleks. The resistance tries to use them in the coup. Everybody dies. They go home. Right. And, and there's a lot of, like, you know, kind I of... Death uh, count. Kind of Is that, uh, is that spy... a good summary? Is that yeah, the best yeah. we're going to do? Yeah, it's very good. It's, it's really good. Uh, and, there, you know, the, a lot of the talking, you know, the way you said that, like, all of the dialogue was preserved, I fucking felt it at times, man. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I am a modern audience. I, I prefer you know, some action to my long bouts of dialogue. And there's some parts in this where just it's a lot of political maneuvering and, 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 uh, you know, you're just discussing things that I could already intuit by watching. And I didn't dislike any of it, but it is paced a little bit not to my taste. And, and without the subtleties of normal human movement, there's a lot of, you know, oh, faceless God. people with name tags where it's Honestly, like, oh, Brandon, yeah, oh, Lesterman. Like, I don't know who these people are. I had are. to write them up. Right. I watched the whole thing, and then I had to go back into, like, the notes and write down who yeah. each character was because I could not keep track of who they so were. So how about this? I saw this just a few weeks ago as a reconstruction, not as the animation. I wanted to do them separately, mm. which, by the way, super baffling, which when it's that baffling, it makes it boring, you know, because you're like, I don't really you know. know. And, and Bregan and Quinn have almost identical voices, which... Um, right, right. 
I realized I later is a why a lot of old-time radio programs, which were intended to be listened to as radio programs, have a lot of foreign characters. And I think it was just a way ah. to go like, oh, the German character. Oh, the French character. Okay, I got it. Huh. The one who plays a recorder through the entire thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. <laughs> Magic Food himself. <laughs> so, you know, this was not intended to be seen as a cartoon. It was certainly not intended to be seen as a radio program with a couple of stills over it. It is very baffling. And even with the cartoon, um, you know, the animation helps. I mean, it helps ton more but even I was kind of like Bregan Quinn which one is the one who's like the assistant governor oh right Quinn okay um, seeing it in color also helped because their colors were complete opposites yes. of each other blue and like tan that is nice totally helped and this time around I was like oh there was a lot of stuff I missed I mean just watching the stuff you're watching the images and little text is scrolling below it it's hard to keep track yeah. of what's going on and especially because the plot is all about like this group and this counter group and these factions and like that's just an intrinsically complicated story yes yes right and they need to explain a lot but of it when and the it's, daleks it's come in yeah. oh boy it gets simplified because now it's the daleks are bad and i can follow that anywhere <laughs> yeah they, they the the who everyone is in relation to this main threat of the daleks is really what connects everything together like yes. if i had to watch this without Daleks being in it, I don't know if I could do it because like the the sides just are too like abstract to me. I don't have any historical context for this world, but I do know that these dudes are willing to trust the Daleks, which I know because I'm a Doctor Who fan, is a bad idea. Well, and furthermore, what I thought was really cool was the amount of times the Daleks, you know, discretion was the better part of valor for them. Like, mm-hmm. right. I like the part where they disarmed the other two Daleks was really cool, which was not apparent in in the reconstruction. Like I think there was a piece of text that I just missed, and I'm and when yeah. he goes, oh, you know, I disarmed the other two, and I'm like, what a great way to get these people off their guard. Like completely, yeah. they can't see that. Really cool stuff. Right. Like it was neat to see that there were really four factions, and the Daleks was playing all three factions against each other, kind of like, you know, uh, uh, I just rewatched um, what is it called from Russia with Love? Freaking great mm-hmm. movie, probably the best one there was. But anyway, I digress. I keep gotta stop but, doing that. Well, well, well you're Phil, very good at it. You know the, you know we explained who the Doctor is. Okay, time traveling misanthrope. Got it. Yeah, let's let's talk briefly about who, the characters. Who are the Daleks. What are they? So, in do, Zane, do you not know this, or are you at, are you procking uh, Phil to explain Daleks? I'm procking. Okay, so I'm fine with that. Two things uh, I'm going to say about this. I'll, I will answer your question, and then I will add one extra sentence about some research I did because it was starting to make me go. <laughs> I got to look this up. So, <laughs> in 1963, the fifth episode is about the Daleks, and uh, the fifth through like the fourteenth episode, I think, something like that, eleventh. Um, what happens is there's a planet called Scaro, and they have a nuclear war like a thousand years before. This is all taking place in, in 40,000 AD. I guess I meant more explain to me how these metal men made of trash bags oh, are a I'm, threat. I'm going to get okay. there. So okay. The what happened is, is each side um, had a lot of evolution that happened to them. The Thals uh, evolved to become basically humanoid. They look exactly like humans. 
Um, but they go, yeah, sorry, we look so weird. And they go, no, 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 actually, you look exactly like us. And they go, oh, that's cool that we kind of evolved differently due to all this, like, radiation. But the Daleks turned into these, like, well, you never really see them um, until kind of this episode was, I think, the first time you this actually episode, saw them. Yeah. yeah. You see um, that they're little, they're little crab They're little, like, blobs. yeah, blobs. And so, because Basically these blobs... just a bunch of neural tissue. Well, the weird... Like Krang. The, like, they're exactly like Krang. It's a Krang-like thing. The odd thing is that mm. they seem to get around pretty well, crawling under doors and stuff, but the, uh, Im- the implication in the first story... <laughs> Some alien DNA, probably, yeah. Maybe. Actually, yeah. Because in the original story, they go, we have trouble like getting around. Uh, I think it was that they made these metal cases to keep the radiation out any further. And mm. in order to get around, they're basically in these big, like, mechanized wheelchairs that also have big suckers that, that can hold on to things and also a big gun that inverts colors and um, and kills people. So they basically are now these... to the w- audience, this looks like a plunger and a whisk because it is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they look a lot like plungers and, and whisks. Um. And that's part of that sci-fi ballsiness of we're going to explain this shit and it looks ridiculous and we're never going to change the design. <laughs> never. It always it's looks like so this. Cr- it's so the, funny that they still look like trash cans with whisks. They look the, like microphones. The odd thing yeah. is is that so in the original story, they're terrifying because they're in their own city. The, si- the way they're powered, and they mentioned this, is through static electricity, which they're running constantly through the floors mm-hmm. like, um, like bumper cars. Um, and the way they defeat the Daleks, spoilers, as we said before, is basically they put a jacket down on the floor, run it over it, that he can't get his power from the floor anymore. <laughs> they remove the Dalek from it, and Ian gets in it, and then they start fooling the Daleks, and eventually are able to turn off the power, and they basically defeat the Daleks. And I'm thinking, no, what you've done is turned off their source of ability to move. They're all decaying and dying of starvation inside these like little things. Yeah, yeah that's actually genocide. It is. It is total genocide. And like, even if the Daleks are trying to be genocidal, maybe don't do the same thing they're doing. Anyway, so it's very strange ending. Um, There's a lot of backstory for this whole for this whole Dalek situation. The, well, the, the things that the, I the, remember about it from like the modern incarnations is that they were evolved to remove all human weakness, which is why they talk like robots. They don't have fear. They don't have love. They don't have empathy, and they are. Just, just robot future racists. Yeah, this is, this is like robot kill all humans one hundred and one. Well, this is the, Bender but, if he wasn't a charming rapscallion. The weird part is, where did that come from that they hate humans because, or, or oh. even all life is because if you think about the original story, which was supposed to be a one-off, they just don't like the Thals because they think the Thals are out there to take the resources that are now kind of starting to become available again after everything's been blown away by nuclear war. It makes a it, the, the story makes a lot of sense. What happens, this is what I was going to say, and and this is where I was going to also kind of be like, it's weird. They retcon the Daleks pretty quickly. In season two, they went, wouldn't it be cool if the Daleks were running down Trafalgar Square? Now, as much as I agree with that, what happens (laughs) is they go, I thought we defeated the Daleks. A great answer would have been like, yeah, the Thals accidentally turned on the power again. They wanted to get revenge on the doctor. They found out where he was and he that he was hanging out on Earth. And they came to the '60s and they just missed it by like two years. Like they they invented. You should have written for the show. Well, and that would have been you great know, because you know what a better explanation would have been. It's a time travel story. Well, it is yeah, a time travel story. It. So here's what happens yeah, like, though. Just, 
Just Bruce, like Bruce Willis, the thing. Like, don't worry about how it works. There's more Daleks. So okay? I'm going to cut Willis ahead. Season three, we we it's revealed that the Daleks have the capability to time travel as well. And there's a really fun chase through time, and it's really really there's fun. There's a time war, right? They, and, things get there's like a oh, time like no, an no, iron no, curtain. No, no, no. We don't have time, time to get into the time war. No, 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 no. Ben, Ben, I'm going to correct you there. There is no time war until 2005. That's totally fabricated in 2005. So, yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And it's actually a pretty good one. It's actually a pretty good plot line. But what I'm going to say is they invent time travel by the end of season two or the beginning of season three. I forget. I think it's the end of season two. But the weird part is, is what happened is, is the, instead of having the explanation just be like, okay, they woke back up and they hate the doctor and they're trying to find him to go like, how dare you like, you know, slap our butts on our own planet. The doctor goes, oh, you know what it is? So it's taking place in 2150. Mm-hmm. So like, again... First Dalek story, 40,000. Second Dalek story, 2150. Remember how they defeated the Daleks the first time? By removing the no. static electricity? They're running around Trafalgar Square, and these are Daleks <laughs> that are basically 30, 37,000 years before the Daleks that they defeat by just putting <laughs> coats down. Right. So they explain it that they have big power packs on their back, which, by the way, where are the power packs in this episode? This is now season well, four. Why don't they have the power packs? They don't have the right resources We are for deciding it. to not worry about it. So, yes. But here's another thing. What year does this story take place? I looked it up. By the way, it takes place in 2020. Ooh. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> not very so, appropriate. So here's, here's I can't wait for our moon in history. That's the Daleks find humans on Vulcan get defeated by the doctor, and then go, let's go take over Earth in 2150. Mm-hmm. And they go, great. And instead of going, hey, by the way, let's send it, well, I suppose it's 37,000 years later. These messages probably would be lost. But they go, but they're also time travelers. So I don't, this is, oh, they're, they're there's so much for long con. Phil, listen, listen, I love you, buddy. And like, I appreciate the degree to which you are invested in this lore. But no, like no, but no, 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 no. We, 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 Do you no see what I'm things. saying? No I mean, way we could have the podcast be more lore than that. So I will just, I'll just say this: all they needed to do was get in a time machine and go. By the way, the Doctor's on his way. It's the first incarnation of the Doctor. He has no idea who you are. Just shoot him when he gets here. The like, end. Post a no. sticky note to his so, fucking like whisk and just so, be like, yes. "Static electricity equals bad question mark." Also, why are do. the doc? Let's, why are these Daleks? Um, like more advanced in 2150 than they Man, are in 40,000. Like, dude, they Makes became no weird, like, color-coded Power Rangers in, like, another 30 years, but then there was a Dalek Emperor back 20 years That's ago. That's the next like, story. That's the next story that we're going to watch. Yeah. Let's we, we talk. can't. We cannot care about it. Let's talk about <laughs> the Doctor. Let, let's, let's, let's simplify. You're watching a thing. Cold open. This man dies. A new man pops up. His friends don't know what's going on. Let's talk about this doctor. What is his deal? Why is he allowed to just walk around and cause things? Yeah. Like, what, so, what so, is his persona? So let's narrow down into, like, who this doctor is a little bit. Um, the, uh, he, so so you, you probably have a better understanding of the second doctor than I do, Phil. Was he such a goober in the real life version of it? Because... He is behaves he a, and looks like one of the three stooges in this. <laughs> the so the history of the show, I'm going to answer this way. The history of the show was they wanted to get Bill Hartnell. 
because he was, you know, this sort of old and slightly mysterious guy, and he played it that way. But he was also curmudgeon and hated things, and like, as I told you, tried to brain in a caveman in episode three of the entire series. They get rid of that, and he goes, oh, we should maybe be a little more responsible. Mm-hmm. Well, as William Hartnell got older and, and a little, his health was failing, and he was having trouble remembering his lines, and they went, we've got to fix this. But the show is really taking off. And he, he really thought that he was irreplaceable because how can you have <laughs> Doctor Who without the Doctor? Um, <laughs> but they figured out a way. <laughs> He's an alien who can regenerate. Womp womp. Yeah. And, and the poor guy, he was, I mean, he was devastated. He was absolutely gutted. And, and it's a really sad story. There's a really good do- um, biopic about the whole thing that you can watch. And they do it with real respect. And it is like a tearjerker. Because, huh. we, you know, as an actor... I've not always been cast, and that's a bummer in and of itself, but to be cast and then have it stripped away from you, like, I don't even know what that would feel like. Um, yeah. So they recast it, and they recast it with this guy who was very different, and he wanted it to be very different. And so to answer your question, Ben, yeah, he's a total goober the whole three seasons <laughs> that he did it. I mean, okay, that, good. No, that's, him, that's what I want. That's what I really like about the Doctor, is that he's very difficult to relate to in that he like doesn't treat serious situations seriously because he's just fucking seen it all before. He's he's very alien well, in the mind space, you know. Yeah. This is why, you know, you were saying I think Doctor Who depends on who the doctor is. I would actually say this, I've liked every doctor um, and dislike none of them that I've seen. I, I still have not seen uh, Paul McGann, the Paul McGann movie, and I still haven't mm. seen any of the Seventh Doctor. I've liked every Doctor, and um, I think it has more to do who is just who's writing the story. Honestly, yeah. like I, I just because every Doctor has something quirky about him. Every Doctor is a little bit bizarre. Um, every Doctor is mysterious and 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 funky, um, and uh, you know, I mean, from from. From William Hartnell all the way up through Jodie Whittaker, they're all really cool, and they're all really interesting. And um, I, so, I yeah. like I like the way that this one is just sort of, you know, he has his own set of priorities. He's he sees this problem: the Daleks are here, and he kind of he kind of laser focuses on yeah. it and ignores yeah. all the other people's issues. He ignores his own assistants. It's a yeah. very interesting take on you know, the person who should be our hero. Like, he takes a little time to get up and go into hero speed. So the hero that he becomes by the new one, I mean, by the end of, I mean, even by now, he's kind of the hero hero. But as you pointed out, he's still kind of weird. And he's not always, like, telling the truth. Um, The very first Doctor, he was actually supposed to be slightly menacing because what happens is where these two teachers just get kidnapped by him. He's not a good guy, and uh, he then almost he, reads that almost reads like more of a modern Sherlock of like high functioning yes. sociopath. Yes. Yeah, you're you're with high functioning sociopath is exactly what Bill Hartnell kind of was. In fact, they had to tone him back a little bit. They wanted to have a little twinkle in his eye and be a little more friendly. But mm. uh, we kept a tally. Uh, spoilers, if you don't want to know how all the uh, companions leave, I'm going to list them in order. Number cool. one, he leaves his granddaughter on a war-torn earth that the Daleks <laughs> just destroyed. Number two, uh, Vicky chooses to stay with the Trojans who just got their asses handed to them by the Greeks, and she goes off and wanders with Aeneas. And by the way, if you've read that story, that doesn't go well. A Trojan woman joins the, joins the crew, and she gets sucked out into an airlock. Um, they leave Stephen on a war-torn nation to be the third party so that these two people don't uh, have further fights. Um, let's see, who else do we have? Um, 
Oh, uh, Barbara and Ian, I forgot about that. Take one of the Daleks time machines and hope it doesn't explode. They go, it's a 50-50 chance it'll explode. And he goes, okay, fine, leave me. I don't care. Um, Dodo just wanders off one day. Um, she just got written off the show and they didn't even want to, they didn't even write her a goodbye scene. They just went like, yep, you're not in this anymore. And they're like, what happened to her? She's at her aunt's. Okay, bye. Um, ben and Polly have a better fate. They go, wait, are you telling me it's actually July 1966, the day we left? We're leaving. Bye. I'm not fighting Daleks anymore. Um, nope. So it's starting to- nope, nope, nope. You've put um, me through a lot of shit, doctor. <laughs> They and and uh, Stephen actually has this kind of moment that um, Mike has with uh, Breaking Bad dude there, whatever his name is, where he goes like, "You're a menace. You're the worst. You have put all of us in danger. You're really a terrible person. Why did you save this person? And like, you saved me from the Daleks, but why didn't you save this ancient woman from like the massacre of Saint Bartholomew?" And he goes, "Ah, oh, my boy, there's some things that you just can't change, you know." They do this in the first one, in the in the they, new stuff too, where there's like, yeah, they they take him to the task. They're like, "You let civilizations die. Why are you preaching to me?" <laughs> well, that's part of what I really like about Doctor Who is that he is deeply human, in that his his empathy only extends to the people who he's traveling with, and no farther. And sometimes not even that. Like <laughs> yeah, like here he's just really dickish. It, it kind of reminded reminded me of Eccleston's like, treatment happens of to, Mickey to Billy, yeah, or Mickey, Mickey and Billy. I don't know if you guys are caught up on some of the on I some don't of the know new stuff. Them. No, uh, no, no, no. One of the characters just gets turned into a Cyberman, and the end with that. You know, like Aww. okay, oh yeah, <laughs> forgot about the poor Bill. Yeah, a Bill, so yeah, the the. So what you're saying is, you know. The position of doctor's assistant is uh, is not one with a lot of long term prospects. Well, the weird no, part it, is, is their turnover is pretty high. It's got a bad benefit plan. By about this time, they start to go. We should have better outcomes for the companions. <laughs> um, but they start. They they've they've realized that maybe we shouldn't have everyone have a good outcome. Um, there is one character who just straight up frickin' dies. Like he just he he sacrifices himself by making sure he's there to make sure the planet explodes. And the very next episode, they address it for a good, like, five minutes, and the other two companions go, um, he just died. Why are you acting like nothing's going on? He goes, you know, people die, and he sacrificed himself. And they go, okay, can we just admit for a second, you're in a time machine. Go back and save him. (laughs) And he says, he actually comes up with a pretty good thing. He goes, if I do that, he goes... They go, you could materialize right after he pushes the button, but right before the thing explodes. In that one moment, you can materialize and grab him and get him back. And he goes, two things. He purposely sacrificed himself, so that would be disrespectful. But secondly, I cannot do that, because if I did that, then I wouldn't have a reason to do it right now. He doesn't say it in quite that many Ah, words, but he goes, I would cause a paradox. So he says, I can't change anything in my timeline. And I went... Uh, someone explained that to me that that's what he meant. I went, that's a really good reason. That's fine, that's yeah. But that said, you can save people you've never met. And there are plenty of people he just lets die. People in Pompeii, he just kind of goes, yeah, fuck it. Let's just let these fuckers die. I, I do remember that he, one. He's really kind of like a like a god figure. Or like, a, like a oh, you know, bit. I'm more powerful than these people, but I walk among them because I like them. But I'm not, you know, I work in mysterious ways. It, yeah. and don't, don't try and question me. And, yeah. and to, to bring that back to... You know, fever of the Daleks. Yeah, uh, this this this, this <laughs> yeah. particular this his particular incarnation here. of the Doctor, his relationship to his companions is is a little bit muddled, right? It's not really camaraderie. It's not re- like it's a little bit spiteful almost with in regards to Ben, 
But like, right? I, they are the relationships that he's capable of kind of latching onto. And and in that he, regard, I think I'd like to talk he about. He knows that they that. don't have any ulterior motives. Everybody here is like constantly planning, trying to one up each other. He knows that Ben and Polly are just simple friends who are not going to kill me. And he's like, okay, I can use that. In, in reference to like the history of the doctor that I understand, it seems like he probably has a lot of trust issues over the years. And to have people who are just in his right. pocket from the beginning, I think is, is kind of a necessary, mm-hmm. a necessary thing for him, which is why he continually wants to have companions. Well, Cause he's lonely. Much to the point that we had in the opening little sketch, he doesn't explain much. And I think that especially on a show like a Watson, where... like a good Watson, you know, you need the Watson. You can't explain everything to him because he's got to be there as like the person stand in. Mm-hmm. The, the audience the, the stand odd, in. The odd thing for me, though, is like, imagine this. Imagine if the story had been this. He don't look like the Doctor, do he? I don't know, Ben. Why don't we ask him? Oh, hello, bo- hello, uh, Ben and Polly. Let me explain to you. When my when my body takes <laughs> takes a lot of damage, as it did with the Cybermen up in the Arctic just now, it regenerates. So be used to a new fellow. He doesn't do that. Nope. No. What if he'd said, like, to, I mean, Bregan's like, why do you keep playing with glasses of water and shit? And then he just goes, mm, not the right noise. Not the right noise. <laughs> oh, I get what you're doing. How about I'm he just trying goes, to reset the codes using sound. How about he sound. just goes like, oh, uh, it's, it's done by sound. And if I get the right pitch, we can get out of here. And Bregan goes, oh, great. Give me a cup and I'll do the same thing. Let's figure this out. Because we together. have that's, six episodes to fill. That's in, no, no. Yeah. I think that that, that that is intentional. I think it's yeah. intentional the way he the guards to Ben. No, no, I think it's intentional oh. in terms of... Oh, was of, there a guard there? Okay, that might make more sense. I don't... I think it's even based on that. I think that it's it's in relation to Ben. He doesn't feel the need to explain it to him because Ben can't alter the outcome and he's operating from like this 10,000 foot view of... It doesn't All the more reason to help the... Like, you know, I mean like... No, I, I think I, it's really good character building have to third have him so far removed... <laughs> from needing to explain plans to his subordinates when they cannot change the outcome. Or he just, like, or he just sees them as not capable of helping, so he just doesn't bother. No, no, Ben, he sees them as capable of helping. He needs them to do stuff that they wouldn't do if he explained everything. You know, it's, it's the, if we're, if we're treating, as I often do, Doctor Who as this, you know, God or Jesus figure, um, it's that free will. He wants them to do the right thing, but they got to figure it out on their own. I, don't I think know. I like I it think better he's than just that smug. he's just a flaw. Yeah, I like <laughs> oh, it better yeah. he, well, as he's he is just, just a, a that's, flawed. That's option three. He, he is flawed, like in the same as Benedict Cumberbund's kind of way. He's just like a flawed person who has trouble relating to the people around him, often to his own detriment. But like that's the nature of a person who is, I mean, they've done this in sci-fi forever. What is the nature of a man who has lived through everything? Well, they lose connection to the personal people around them. Okay, he doesn't to, know how to interact with them. Personal okay, pizza. so I'll just say this. As someone who's now seen almost every episode from 1963 through 1983, um, the first one, he's just kind of a bumbling bastard. The right. second Doctor, at least in this story, he's kind of withholding. But by the third and fourth Doctor, he's quite... He, he's a little more forthcoming. Like, he goes, mm. I say... Um, would you mind grabbing me that retractable spanner over there? Why, Doctor? What do you think you're going to be doing with that? Well, you see, if I can push this lever over here, mm-hmm. I might be able to... Ah, you see, I can open this here. 
and now we can establish contact with the Daleks. And yeah, they go, leaning into that excellent plan, Doctor. Let's do it. As opposed to like, hmm, I'm going to play on my. I, I think. <laughs> I will say this, that, you know, the second doctor there does not explain a lot, but then he kind of goes, you see, I found the bugs. I thought yeah. there were bugs, and that's why I wasn't explaining anything. But I go, you know, from the audience's perspective, I'm as annoyed as Ben and Polly, and I don't think this has to do with that it was animated. It has to do with, like, we're the audience, we're the Bens and the Pollys. Can you please explain to us what is going on? And, and I'll say this, though. There are no bugs in the TARDIS. And... It is a very. It was annoying. I mean, we all know what regeneration is at this point. We've seen like you know a couple of them mm -hmm. ourselves. To the audience, I was floored when I saw how little of an explanation it was. It was just him <laughs> wandering around, going like, with them kind of just going. I think he's the doctor, and all I needed to do was go like, oh yes, I am the doctor. In fact, I can prove it to you. I was just with you up in the Arctic fighting Cybermen. And, 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 and before that, we were with the war machines, and Dodo wandered off. Like, he could it just say help, that. Going, oh, it doesn't yeah. help that he himself refers to the doctor. Uh, what was that? As a different guy. <laughs> that was incredible. And Polly's like, no, what are you talking about? Of course he's the doctor. But like, he's talking about a different guy. Didn't he's never done this he, before. Oh my this God. is just subjective, of course, but I, I really like that. Like, <laughs> I, I like that he keeps them in the dark. And I don't think that it's intentional to, like, get a response out of them. I think he just, like, doesn't see the utility it's funny. in getting them up to speed. And I, I love that. I think that's really fun and cool. <laughs> Especially because Ben is so prickish about it that seeing him deliberately ignored... I is, I don't think he's a prick. I think he's confused and going, hey, who are you? Why are you in the TARDIS? Like, think about it. Uh, you guys he's haven't seen this. He's a little prickish. Here's another thing. One of the coolest stories is that they come across I don't I'm not even going to say which one they come across a guy who is clearly not of the time period that they're in they go this is weird what's going on this like this is not from this time period and then they wander into this thing that he keeps walking in and out of and they find another tardis there's another whatever we have still not used the word time lord the word time lord has not come up yet and <laughs> I don't need it <laughs> and to be very fair that other Time Lord looks a little... Well, I always said he looked like Bill Belichick. But um, mm. <laughs> he looks a lot like Patrick Troughton. Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if these people could have been like, wait, there are other Time... Oh, well, actually, they weren't there for that adventure. But it still could have been like, wait, there are other Time Lords here. Yeah. Who is this guy stealing our TARDIS? We should get him out of here. And all it takes is for him to go, no, 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 let me explain. This is what happens to Time Lords. But <laughs> There's no time to explain. <laughs> Yeah, there was plenty of time to explain. It's, All they needed, yeah. they were going to go out and drink mercury. What were they doing? Yeah, they I, were just I, hanging around a mercury swamp. Which, what the for hell? the record, Why be there? I don't think that's a thing. I hope don't it's endorse. not a thing. <laughs> I hope it is a thing. I would see it so bad. No, that uh, will kill uh, you and, so and, and, much. Like, honestly, at at this point, yeah. I think it's just subjective. I happen to Imagine like breathing his in mercury kind of vapors. floaty persona of like not explaining things because he doesn't feel the need to. Like that appeals to me. I as like in a Doctor Manhattan, I am an mm -hmm. alien being and cannot understand your need. I don't understand what you can do for me by bringing myself down to your level. That really appeals to me. And mm -hmm. I, I recognize that it's not logically consistent or consistent with the later doctors who would be more forthright. Well, it I was inconsistently like written in the first place. There are some episodes where the doctor, where William Hartnell's doctor comes back and goes, you see, we must always be we must always be thinking about other people and helping them wherever they can. And there's other ones where he goes, I didn't want to save him, dear boy. I couldn't. There's things in history. And there's other ones where he's like, eh, let's just go. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. these are clearly people who were not talking to each other. These writers were not talking. There are people who call him Doctor Who. 
Oh, wow. There are yeah, whole, that's weird. There are people going, get me Doctor Who. And there's, a, I think it was 1974. <laughs> like with the red phone? Completely. Get me Doctor Who. A big computer at one point goes, Doctor Who is necessary. Get me Doctor Who. And they go get him and they go, hey, Doctor Who, come here. Uh, in the very next story, he goes, oh, I'll be back in a minute. And he signs it Doctor W. In the third Doctor, he says, my name is Doctor Ver, uh, Doctor von Ver, which is, you know, German for who. By the fourth Doctor, they went, he's the Doctor. He has no name. We do not name him. That's yeah. what we they do. They got lucky that they didn't really have reruns at the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fortunate. He is you know, billed it's not as like people weren't pedantic back then. Look at the credits. He has credited as Doctor Who, I believe, all the way up through the fifth. The Doctor was the first time they went, the Doctor. It's billed as Doctor Who in the credits. <laughs> It's so I mean, it's not inconsistent. like a big secret. It's, it is the name of the show, but yeah. The, the, it's sort of like Voldemort at this point, where like nobody yeah. wants to say it out loud, but like everyone knows the score. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, th- there we, we could get really into the weeds about, you know, who's in this rebellion, who is the old guard, what oh, their plans are. I have no are. patience for it. But, but <laughs> I think the main <laughs> thing to understand, the main thing to understand is there is a, a person versus person conflict. And... One group is trying to use uh, this this uh, you know the scientist Doctor Doctor Lester Lesterman Lesterson uh, Lesterman. Uh, I kept on calling Liv- calling him Livingston in my notes. Yeah, sure. It's Lesterson. Uh, Lesterson, and he has found some Daleks, and he is reinvigorating them and allowing them to be used. And the rebellion is like, we can use them. And right. I do like the you know Doctor Lesterson's transformation through this because everyone else is trying to use the Daleks as a weapon and he is like these things are powerful they can reproduce they can murder me and then he just kind of goes off the deep end what was your guys read on that character I loved it that was great it so the entirety of his kind of all of these different parties behaving in concert with the Daleks reminded me a lot of uh uh the first Captain America movie in mm-hmm. recent years with the with the whole um, Tesseract and Forbidden Energy right. Source where like one person is like, we can use this. This is for us. This is for us to attain power. And like a lot of people go along with him, but a lot of people who are like just trying to kind of get by are like, this is too dangerous for us. It's, it's not worth the risk. And he systematically kind of takes them out one at a time to uh, make it so that the Daleks can be propagated and, and, and kind of do everything. Um, so it reminded me a lot of uh, a lot of that kind of that kind of thing, but I, I that's a that's a good that's a good setup. Um, I will just say this: I loved the fact that he was coming from a science standpoint. I'm at the risk of spoiling a really good movie, The Thing from Another World from like the fifties. Um, I won't answer the question. So they find a thing, they don't know what it is. It's an is alien it being. And the army is going, let's just kill it. It could be hostile. And the scientist goes, I want to study it. And for the entire yep. time, I'm on the scientist's side going, I don't know whether it's hostile or not. What if this thing is like the coolest thing ever? What if it's benevolent? What if it shares like the coolest knowledge of all time? Mm-hmm. What if it's like the friendliest person who's just like nice? No. And then the whole time I'm doing this, now I'm not going to answer whether this movie uh, goes that it's good or bad because it was really fun to, to wait. But in yeah. the Daleks, the unfortunate thing is we know they're bad. So yeah. we're going like, yes. oh, don't be so benevolent. But think about like my reaction Their to the thing from another yeah. world. Like I would have been if this had been a yeah. brand new monster. I would have been with Lesterson the whole way, and I would have been especially, like, yeah. especially if the uh, if the you know um, what what it, what 
position did he take over? Doctor Who, like, did fraudulent... Uh, the inspector from Earth. Yeah, especially yeah. if an inspector who's incredibly shady starts playing yeah. a reporter and is ranting and raving out of his mind tells you, hey, these guys are bad news. I don't I don't fault them for not immediately listening to no, the No, not here. at all. I mean... Like, like, imagine, imagine if he, if the this is again going back to the opening sketch that we did. If the doctor had said, "Ooh, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> I see where you guys are coming from. Can I just tell you, I've actually encountered these things before, and and let me just tell you, they are bad news. What do you mean? <laughs> um, two or three times now, I have actually encountered these things. They're called Daleks. You see that thing there? That is a weapon. They also that kill indiscriminately. Is bad news. Please trust me on this. These are bad news. They at least would have gone like. Well, maybe we should listen to the guy. But he just goes, oh, go, get rid of them. No, 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 no. And they go, what, <laughs> yeah, why? Right. Because they're oh, evil. And you again. go, but okay, shut up. That, doesn't that bolster the point that the problem that he has with his companions is that he just doesn't know how to relate to people? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think that kind of informs his character in a cool way. Of, He's like, a more interesting He doctor. has all of the knowledge, but he can't actually utilize it. Because he can't talk to anyone. He, he's like paralyzed equal. by how much he knows. You know, he he understands it with such an urgency that he can't communicate it because to slow down and think through and, like, entertain the notion that, oh, maybe you're wrong. Maybe these things can be useful. Th- that whole idea is so not I, I don't want to say that it's a it's a foreign idea, but it's it's a disgusting idea to him. The idea that we could make peace with these things. Are you mad? You know, it's yeah, it's, it's very it, it's cold kind of war as well. It's very sixties. Right. Like I, I would like you know, they they were basically these like post Nazi Nazis, the Daleks. Yes. They just you know, and, and and I think that you can look at the Nazis and go, Okay, that was an e- pretty evil plan. And I think most people agree with that. Like even Germans back in nineteen thirty nine would have been like, Wait, what is what are these people doing in my country? Yeah, like, what one you know, hopes that people can see today in our current plight that Nazis right. are bad. One right. hopes. And and these Daleks were definitely stand ins for something along those lines where they're just yeah. kill indiscriminately, their plan is just to destroy, take over, do whatever. And especially in the Cold War, where the Russians were starting to be this big thing. I mean, when you consider the fact that the origin of the Daleks is a nuclear war, um, you can see that the Daleks, you know, the doctor just going, they're bad, we're good, destroy them, which so far mm-hmm. has been his thing. He has never reasoned with the Daleks. But but again, that's the. T- I mean, these are they're Terminators. You don't reason so with a Terminator. To, yeah, it's I, so I, hard I, to put yourself in the in the position of what if I came to a planet where I did right. not have intimate knowledge of how the Holocaust happened and tried to put myself in the position of hearing about it from a person who I just met. Can for we the reason first time. these people? No, just destroy them. I, I wrote I wrote about this, and I'm so glad you brought this up because this this is this is the story that made me understand why they're good villains because i look at them and i'm like okay yeah whisk plunger these things are are a relic but no in in the first in the first few episodes you see one and it doesn't have its weapons and it says i am your servant i obey i love how they ask that like a question it it is a oh, sideshow right i never thought right? of that it takes yeah, your, so it takes your orders <laughs> that's it's, so good. it's useful but then you get three of them together and they start screaming they're like we are the daleks we will exterminate and they just keep repeating yeah. and you're chamber. like Oh, this is dangerous. It's an echo chamber. And then, yo, know, it, it's like how you can look at it's people. Like, it's like a racist manifesto being passed amongst many people and propagating itself. I mean, and you can see this in the past, you know, few years in, in real life, how there's these extreme groups and you say, oh, you know, they're conspiracies, they're grand plans, they seem silly. And then you have groups, just like, like you said, like that happened with the Nazis, where they're saying like, 
oh, we can control them. It's fine. We can use them to combat our common enemy. You know, we can keep them under control. Oh, let's give it a gun. You know, it knows the difference between our people and their people. And they just... They don't get it. And by the time they gain power, you realize mm. you can't make common cause with you. The doctor, the, the Dr. Lesterson, he, he even, like, when he goes crazy and he's like, this is the new form of evolution. This is the new man. It, right. w- humans are outdated. Let's just accept it. And he it. says yeah, to the dogs, says. I am your servant. And they're like, we don't need servants. Yeah. You're yeah, all going to die. <laughs> yeah, this isn't about sides. This isn't about you picking the right side. This is an obvious truth to us. We are superior and everything else needs to die. So that, that I also, and, and to that point, he goes, he goes, well, you're not going to kill me because I gave you life. And they just go, they just agree with him. They just go, yeah, you gave us life. Thanks. And they just kill don't, him. Don't and then it's like, shit. it was really, that's chilling, you know? Yeah, yeah that, really, that whole episode really three a, to four, it, it all clicked for me. I'm like, oh, this is how it happens. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I really like it. The, the Dalek design is is so silly in a sense, but it's also really elegant. It's like it's like Death Robot boiled down to its most base form. Like it doesn't have a bunch of terrifying accoutrements. It's just mobility, like a robotic manifesto, like single minded purpose, and a gun. And it's that's impenetrable. like impenetrable. And it's impenetrable, right? I really I mean, like to be the, honest. The, the funny part is nothing I actually, else does it for me. I don't know. I mean, I was. I was a teenager when I started watching Doctor Who, and even I found the, uh, I mean, I personally found the Daleks to be quite off-putting. Like, they are, I found them to be menacing. And everyone goes, oh, they're so silly looking, and I'm always, I've never had that reaction to them. But I know a lot of people who do. I mean... Uh, if you came to it from nothing, the, like... This is the same problem. <laughs> it is a trash can no, with this a is, my, This is the whisk. same problem in real life. You know, you look at people, you know, like QAnon or these, like, conspiracy groups, and you're like, oh, ha-ha, right. it's silly. If right. you listen to what they say and right. take them seriously... Yeah. You can't laugh at them. No, <laughs> right? no, no, no. They're it disturbing. Work. It's very disturbing. Yeah, and, and I, I've always like been like, well, let's see. They're very like you kind of put it. They're streamlined. They've got an eye. They've got a ho- something to hold on to things, and they've got a death ray. They don't need anything else. Like it's that's very kind of terrifying design. in and of itself. That that's what they've been like. Like this think is about their it. purpose. They this is have, all they need to do. They could have had like things that play, be- you know, bocce. They don't have one of those. They can't do that. You know, they, they could have had genitalia and had a whole whale of a time, you know, Dalek orgies. Nope. <laughs> nope. They grab time. stuff and they kill people. <laughs> Sorry, what is, what, is the, what is the median age of your listener? Did I just, did I cross a line? <laughs> it's uh, us. Oh, it's, it's just us. <laughs> yeah, I assume. If you are, yeah, uh, yeah you're now going to have to put the explicit on this no, one. I, but yeah, it's, already, this, it's on there this, by default. Yeah, okay, this good. serial, this six episodes really did a lot for me to understand the elegance and the impressiveness of this design. And let me, let I me, love the design. Let me bring in some... Uh, so, you know, I approach this not as a kind of Doctor Who lore kind of thing, or as, even as a story, or as like kind of this connection to modern-day extremist groups. I approached it as a piece of animation and like the ways in which it kind of bolstered the storytelling. One thing that I think is really cool about the Daleks specifically is all the sound design. Mm. Uh, in in relation to them, so there's there's this vague kind of sound, like this supernatural, uh, not supernatural, but like high tech kind of humming going on in the background mm. the entire time. I like love we're the deep sound in this design. classic like theremin the type stuff. Oh, it's so good. But stuff. when we're looking through the Daleks' perspective, everything is emphasized. Like all the background noises are like weird distortions. Mm, I didn't even notice its that. own its own voice sounds even more like warbly and alien. It's to kind of bring the point home that these things perceive differently across the whole spectrum. They are not like us. Um, 
and I, I think that's really cool. And and the the voice that they do, the I am your servant, that that whole thing, that is like in a piece of animation that I'm I'm familiar with that isn't maybe as plotted out as this is or as designed for real world people to enact it, you don't generally get voice acting that is that creepy. But right. this has been this this voice acting the the sound design that goes along with the Daleks have been crafted over a period of more than like fifty years. <laughs> right. Like this is designed and like manufactured. It's evolved to be as creepy as fucking possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that that pedigree really kind of sells the terror in, involved in them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if you think about it, it's not even like a. I think they're creepy. The sound of them are creepy. The the the, uh, the proboscis eyeball is creepy, um, and the fact that they have they can kill indiscriminately very easily in part because they just have a death ray. It's not like they need to aim a gun. It's like, it's really interesting they just because shoot when in a direction and it kills anything in its path. Yeah, and and there's this like interesting distortion filter along the image. There's like a two inch metal plate that they punch through without any trouble. Oh my god! Like halfway through, they also remind me. Um, of what Dylan Moran said. He goes, he said something like, these Love people Dylan going Moran. down to the gym, they want the ideal body. Well, they're not thinking, I mean, ideal. They could have anything they want. I mean, here's what <laughs> I would have. I would have an eye. You probably only need one eye. Then a long <laughs> tube, a mouth, and a long tube that goes down a mile to my arse and that someone else deal with that. That's my <laughs> ideal body. And there's part of me that's like, that's kind of what the Daleks did. They were like, an eye. You probably only need one eye. And then just well, a that's what they did with their emotions too. Is they they extracted yeah. everything that was not purposeful to their you know superiority manifesto. I'll, I'll, is this yeah. the first uh, example in Doctor Who when you get to see what's inside of those metal bodies? I believe so because you see they have this little flesh pod, and one of the Daleks uses an electric pulse and it starts wiggling, and then they yeah, put it down inside. So good. And you're like, oh, they can reproduce. These aren't just robots. No, so and they do well, establish they're that. In the, they're von Neumann machines, sure. as they, I understand it. They do establish. So again, Scaro, nuclear war. They create these things. They don't ever go in. This is the first time you ever see them being, like, born, so to speak. Mm. Um, but in there, what happens is when they pull the Dalek like flesh part out, so that Ian can be inside the Dalek machine. They pull it out, and they cover it up to keep the mystery. And you never really see what it is. You see a little claw kind of come out, and that's all you see. Um, and then from then on, you actually never really see much inside. This was the first time it was really kind of like, you see the sort of, uh, not 1984, a Brave New World kind of factory of making yep. f you know, living tissue of Dalek yep. tissue. Yeah. Um, and the I love you, cold, unfeeling robot arm. The very strange thing is that the whole point of having these big mechanoid, you know, housings was to protect them from the radiation fallout and also because what else are they going to do? If they can kind of reproduce in this kind of weird thing, well, I don't know. I suppose they could. They could, it's very hard to Ooh. change their DNA. But yeah, like, the additional the, point, the exact armor is, is, is the echo chamber. They are insulating themselves from the poison yeah. of other viewpoints, like the outside world oh, of yeah, like communicating with things that are different from that. Because the essence of Boom, what the Dalek is is not actually that impressive. It's not dangerous. It's this little blob of flesh. That kind you know? of crawls around, yeah. I, and the, the, the question I would have is, since they can crawl around pretty well, like, why have this this big thing? But then on the other hand... Why not well, have a spider not, mech? Yeah, I mean, I spoke, like I was thinking, like, well, why have this big thing? I, I mean, it does beg the question, 
what was that gun used for in the very first story? Because the Daleks didn't realize the Thals even survived the nuclear war until the Doctor and his companions say that. So why would they go, all right, we're going to build a city. we got to make static electricity. What else you want? Uh, a little plunger that like sucks up things so we can hold stuff. Great. Check. What else? A gun. Gary, what are you talking about? Gun. We need gun. Well, there's mutant yetis about. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say velociraptors, but yeah, I had the same ideas. <laughs> they, like, there's there's predators. They actually established there's nothing out there. They actually established that the entire uh, planet <laughs> is uh, petrified forest. Yeah, it's all made Th- this of rock was a very now. much you know they were building their new society and they're like gotta have the Second Amendment. Everybody needs a gun. That's the only way to keep us safe. Wasn't there a <laughs> was wasn't that a Simpsons very, very episode? Paranoid. Or something. Probably. I feel like it was. Uh, anyway. I do want to talk about yeah. you know of of the uh, movers and shakers on the political side of this plot. Uh, Bregan, the chief of security, who who announces himself the new governor, um, and he's like Schmidt from the Captain America first movie, the uh-huh. one who just like ascends to power with this new with this new uh, with this new tech. And he's right. like, okay, if there's underlings that won't obey to the exact specifications, I will have them removed. Um, I have the military. I have my guard completely ordered by me i'm sitting pretty nothing can get me and then a dalek comes into his office and he says okay yep you're good uh uh you know please do this or he orders security or something and the dalek's just like you you gotta go you're you're done <laughs> just yeah. get him see i i actually personally found the the, str- the 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 struggle between them to be actually quite interesting because a lot of times you'll see especially back you know the older the show you know or the lazier the writing really there's old shows that are actually quite well done but the lazier the writing they just kind of go and then this guy did a thing because but it's not like that he kind of goes all my chess pieces need to be set up in the right way and now I'll move this piece and it works like he's a control freak and nobody's in the right for the right I mean let's face it you know uh, what's his name Um, uh, Quinn gets an examiner down here he plays his card that way Uh, Bregan waits for the um he he kills the examiner and tries to pin it on quinn and then the doctor shows up pretending to be the examiner and he goes okay my plan's a little bit skewed because this 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 variable just suddenly showed up but he has everything else set up let me wait for the governor to leave let me uh first get uh the governor to believe that quinn's the bad guy here and the fact that right. hensel the the governor is so easy to to believe this stuff he's got it all lined up he goes who would benefit from doing this and Quinn even goes how would I benefit I'm the one who called the guy in the first place I want him to use the radio why would I sabotage the radio and he goes well because if you sabotage the radio then you can become the new governor and then he and then Hensel goes yeah that is a good point Quinn you're our main suspect get in jail and then the first thing he does it goes Bregan you're now the new chief uh you know the, the deputy governor not thinking like wait he also has a motivation to possibly do something bad because it, it was really interesting to watch him it's, manipulate everybody. It's the sort of thing that I think on a repeat watch would be very elegant, but because of the limitations of the style, right. I had no idea what was going on for the first two episodes. Well, this is my second watch, and I was baffled the first time, too. I would agree with that statement. So I think we hit most of the plot and the characters and, and what makes this work. Um, yeah, so we were, we were kind of... Uh, we, we've kind of been talking around the edges of, of this, and I think that like we've said most of what we need to around the... I'll be honest, when you were talking about all the plot points and like the political maneuverings, I honestly... It honestly fell away from me a little bit. Um, if I can you know, kind of refocus us to a part that I was kind of paying more attention to, just because it was a little bit easier for me... Uh, the the tone of this, which, as you said, the first Doctor was very serious, even dickish. The second Doctor is a huge goober, 
and this has a lot of comedic timing that I didn't think would be present <laughs> in an earlier incarnation of Doctor Who. And so I, I'd like to kind of talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so for, for, for one thing, they do look like South Park or Monty Python characters. And so it, it is a little <laughs> hard not to read everything as a bit comedic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like modern Sherlock, it can be funny or sad the way he's unable to relate to regular people. I think part of it is the language barrier because I'm a, you know... Stupid an, American. I'm a stupid American watching a pr- posh Brit- British person. So every time, you know, the, you'll sometimes you're forced to grapple with the doctor sounds weird because he's the doctor. And sometimes it's because it's he's British. <laughs> And you know yeah, they'll say a thing right. that isn't isn't in a comedic tone, but it's a Britishism like Bob's your uncle, and I don't know. It, <laughs> to a, as an American, it just makes him seem like a manic weirdo. I guess is is Did the best you feel way that I can way kind of Ben because he uses some Cockney rhyming slang. Yeah, times. I yeah. liked him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so good because like sometimes they'll just say like "cool and blimey, it's a fit bird, isn't it?" And part of yeah. me just can't can't help it's but like, laugh at as it. As an it's audience so member, silly. who am I supposed to relate to? And then he's like, "Top of the morning, governor." I'm like, "Oh, that's the guy. Got this it, is got the it. one." It reminded me of that scene in Goldmember where Michael Caine and yeah. Austin Powers are j- where they're just like. <laughs> They're talking to each other in British so hard that they confuse the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Then, yeah. I think there's one bit where he said something, I think where Ben says like, we're going to have a butcher's. Mm. A butcher's? Oh, what's that? He goes, a butcher's hook, mate. Look, it's, it's rhyme and yeah. slang, isn't it? And I just was like, this is so, <laughs> so good. Yeah, and it's, we're contrasting this with genocide. Like literal genocide robots coming to kill us. And the doctor is just playing a fucking recorder and try and like, and there's a lot of good comedic timing where he's like, he's about to meet the inspector, the real inspector. And someone shoots him from off screen as he's extended his hand out. And there's like a little sound effect of like bubbling tar in the background, mercury swamp stuff. And for a minute there, he's just standing there like with his hand outstretched when this guy has just been shot and he just kind of looks around like <laughs> looking to see if he's been pranked <laughs> and it's just like a very comedic the, moment of is, like he doesn't quite know what to do this is where the animation i think probably like oh there was there might have been like oh you know fear and concern and confusion and paranoia of like flashing on his face flat. and there's no way <laughs> it's just a beat panel you know it, it, like if if there was articulated and it it feels purposeful because he just stands there looking around like he doesn't quite know what to do now. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was their um, freshman attempt at this, I believe. I know that they came out with a couple of animations a few years ago. Oh, no. I think yeah. they just, they fa- that's what it was. They found a couple of, of lost episodes. So this was, I think, yeah. one of the first times they tried to animate it. And it's, the Macra Terra is really good, especially considering that there's one part where one of the characters is being attacked by these enormous monsters and it looks like they're sitting on the ground with some polystyrene. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the animation, like the person's dangling over like a mouth, and it is terrible. It is really disturbing. And I was watching it like you know side by side, and I was like, "Holy cow! Did they improve this?" Like, and and as a pure, this is coming from a purist going. But if you want to grab an audience in 1966, you could not have a character dangling over a huge mouth. Sensors yeah. will kill that. It's it's interesting because the action scenes in this uh, 
you know, they're so misanimated that it's hard. Yeah. It's legitimately hard to follow. Like when he finally activates the power switch to overload the Daleks. Right. It's not clear that that's what's happening. <laughs> Every time somebody shoots a gun in this, it it is just like so silly looking. Well, like I, you're not holding it right. The recoil makes no sense. The sound effects don't line up. It's so jarring. No, just like you'll like the sound effects, and then you'll be like on a still of the pre-action, and then like a gas fog cloud, and then the post-action. Like there's it's no. It's like the '80s. Yeah, it's like He-Man animation. It's like He-Man fights. It's, you but just more have confusing. To, you really have to interpret what's in the gutter between those panels. You you have to you have to piece it together after the fact. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd been warned by a friend of mine that this was not his favorite, like that his um, <clears throat> that the animation was not very good in part because they kept in all the silences and they don't really know what to do. Like you'll see there's just parts where Ben and Polly are standing there just staring at nothing. We're not even seeing what they're staring at. We're, just, we're looking at them staring. I think, well, that's part of what is really funny about it, though, like because yeah. they keep all those. Silences. And I know it maybe like part of it isn't, isn't intended to be funny, but I can't shake the feeling like part of it is. And and maybe that's just the modern incarnation of it, like interpreting. I'm interpreting it in a in a weird way, but like for instance, here's one of my favorite parts of this whole thing, is when there's a moment where a scientist is talking about the Daleks as not being that dangerous, and the companion Ben, it, it, he starts to say, "How dare you? You have no idea how bad they are." And the it cuts to the doctor who's blowing his recorder. He blows his recorder really oh. loud to get Ben's attention, and then just goes. So, so I'm going to clarify like, that that was speech. Like, no, that was done wrong. In the it's, original it's so one, funny. in the original one, what actually happens is he's going like this. Yes. And then when he goes, no, he goes. Ben actually steals the recorder. And what happens oh, is he goes, what? he goes, hey, watch me. And he basically mocks the doctor by playing it, going that that loud screech was actually Ben playing it. But they oh. didn't. Anim- they didn't know that, and they animated it wrong. And um, and then <laughs> that's why later when he goes, "How did he get that back again?" makes more sense when you oh, know that right. Ben stole it from him, and then that somehow he no- got it back. Yeah. I thought so- they were just like off stage, like somebody took that away from him, like he wasn't supposed to have that prop. <laughs> right, and that and that's what re- it registers as a joke in the animation. Is like, man, he got that back again. Like I thought we <laughs> took that away from him. that. You can interpret a lot of the animation oddities as legitimate attempts at humor that work really well. Mm -hmm. But the more you tell me about it, Phil, it seems as though none of it was intentional. Well, I think some of the, the humor in it was intentional, like in the script, but I don't know if like some of these things like, like that was just baffling. And it sounds like I'm tearing this apart. This animation was excellent. I mean, I thought it was actually really good. And especially considering that the, the episodes lost, like this is having seen both the reconstruction and this, this is so much clearer. It's more interesting. It held my attention more. I didn't just kind of zone out for a little bit and just go, I can't read any more text. Like, I will say that, like, so the first couple of episodes I watched in the black and white, and then I switched to the color version. The color yeah. version is much better as well. Much better. Oh, I only watched the black and white one. But even I, I thought the animation was, for the most part, fine in the black and white. It's fine, yeah. If they get better. Again, Macro Terror and Faceless Ones, It it's... Oh my god! I watched the, actually. I just watched the faceless ones last night. It was perfect timing because we were watching it anyway with my group, my Doctor Who group. And I was like, "This is perfect." Now I've seen all three. There's a scene where there's a docking scene, which, as we all know, in the Star Trek movies, are boring as hell. This was so freaking cool. <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, 
That was really good. And you know in the original that's what they wanted it to look like and could never have achieved with little models and like, you know. Yeah. And and this is why kind of, you know, the pur- purist in me goes, well, what did they do? But then there's also other part of me that goes, well, since we don't have that, we let's animate this any way we want. There's another one that I've seen um, that's a later Doctor episode where there's a character hanging from a, a helicopter. You know that that was done in a studio, cutting to yeah. B-roll of a helicopter. Right. The way they do it with these overhead shots, up the shots, like looking back up at the helicopter, the guy falls, a close-up of a hand grabbing the hand as the guy's falling, but he grabs him at the last second. Like, it was tense. And it's like, you know this is what they wanted it to look like. They just didn't mm-hmm. have the ability to make it that way. So yeah. the purist in me goes, what could they do in 1966? And then the purist in me also kind of goes, what do they want it to look like? Because this is probably yeah. more close to what their vision was. Not yeah. unhampered by uh, technological thing, you know. My reach there's exceeds a, my grasp. There's a that moment. Said, I'll just say this. That said, how dare you, George Lucas, change Star Wars? <laughs> oh, oh, we, we, we absolutely don't have time to get into I Star can't Wars. I'm just going to say Star that. Wars. We'll leave it there. <laughs> there. There was another technical issue that I think hampered things in this, which is in terms of the audio. You know, this was recorded in the days when you had a couple of microphones for the stage you know it was done much more in the play style not everybody had a microphone and you can't mix and master the sound so there's variety in the volume Mm -hmm. and in particular the softer or more muddled lines in this really coupled with the fact that we can't see their facial expressions very well made those things much harder and it almost felt more like a like a like a bad theater presentation than a good (laughs) old style yeah like the blocking was wrong there because of the nature of the sound effects being like kind of low effect like humming beeps and boops going on all the time it really really stuck out when someone was too soft to hear correctly oh well well, i mean like a lot of the time i actually couldn't tell what they were saying or Ben gets a little bit too excited in front of the microphone and suddenly his mic is spiking while he's like wandering off into the backstage area. Kind of the like difference me. is so stark. Yeah, the it's the is difference hard. between like Star Trek, Mr. Spock, uh, you know, report on this thing. And then the quieter stuff is like Popeye's like, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that can be funny if it's the doctor doing it because you can imagine him just kind of muttering to himself off stage, but everyone does it. Yeah. And it's, I, it's pretty clearly a limitation in you know the sound quality back then they they didn't have the ability to make sure their mics weren't spiking to have everyone at the same distance away from the mic you know it just uh it was it was less hard to 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 kind of thread that stuff together yeah yeah i I, just to go on the 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 star trek thing for a second star trek has all the hallmarks (laughs) of a show that i ought to like and i i've actually I've I've never really I could never say I'm a Trekkie. I've been trying to watch it, and I enjoy it up to a point. I really do. I genuinely do enjoy it. But um, I realize I do like Doctor Who a lot better. And I was trying to think about why. And you, we've already touched on it a couple things, like the British sensibility versus the American sensibility. We're going to go out there. We're going to make things better. Versus, well, let's muddle on through and hope we don't mess things up. And if we do, well, yeah. that's their problem now. And it's like that's not quite exactly what British people think. But you know, like there was there was a, there's definitely that in this show. And I think that. Oddly enough, watching irresponsible people be kind of weird out in space is far more enjoyable than response. Like Firefly, I like Firefly <laughs> better because they're kind of just fly by the seat of their pants like weirdos, all just doing yeah. kind of. And it's like, I don't like any they're of these people. For number one. I don't like the doctor right now. I think he's being irresponsible. But do you like Doc Brown? 
who's like the most yeah, irresponsible this, this person ever? Or do you, it's yeah, it's just charisma. It's just much it's more a reality TV. TV show. Like, but it's not. would I want to hang out with Captain Kirk or the Doctor? Probably Captain Kirk. I'm probably going to live through it a little bit better. Like, but who would <laughs> well, I rather just you. watch? You're going to wear a red shirt. I I am wearing a red shirt. Yeah. What did oh, you think shoot. of the first couple seasons of Sliders? Just curious. See, I personally liked it. Yeah, they, I it liked seems it much more in that style. Have yeah. you checked out the Orville? I've watched a couple episodes. Actually, I did not. Um, I did not uh, finish it, and I, it's for no it's reason. It's just Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. more Star Trek. No, so, I know. like, it's, if you didn't, if you couldn't power through Star Trek, you probably wouldn't do the Orville. I'm sorry. Real quick note: Did you get your British impression by mastering Hank Azaria's performance of the Blue Rajah <laughs> from Mystery Men? Because it sounds spot on. Uh, that is great. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's I'm going to repeat costume. what I said at the top of the show. I haven't really seen much past about 1945, so I don't even know what that is. But oh, um, we got. I'll we'll send you a fucking clip, dude, because it's. It's exactly Hank Azaria's Blue Raja Master of Silverware performance, where he's not a British person, but he thinks it makes his like superhero persona better if he has like a foreign backstory, so he <laughs> oh, just pretends great. to be British. Oh, that's really it's great. Very good. Anyway, um, um, yeah, I, I we, we, wanna, we're trying to get yeah, toward the uh, end of things. I think. Yes, uh, Zane. I did want to go back. I know this is so disjointed, and I apologize, audience, that we're just kind of jumping around, but. Related to the sound design, kind of like not mixing correctly with the animation. Yeah. One thing that's difficult about the animation is, as you said, you can't watch the mouth motions to like kind of lip sync the. Like, if it was semi poor audio and live action, I think that it would seem less st- less jarring. Because like, you can be just a little put bit subtitles easier. on that. That as well. But like also, I think that you get something out of being able to see someone make the mouth sounds that go along with the sounds that you're trying to interpret. Like your brain pieces those bits of information together. And this is, you know, it's not quite as bad as anime, same mouth opening animation for every single phoneme that you can pronounce. But it's it's not perfect either. It's not perfect animation of like this is clearly an O sound versus an A sound versus an E sound. They you also animate every single syllable. I can't remember. Oh. Whether it was the, oh no, you know what? It was the faceless ones. There's one bit where a woman is kind of talking a little fast. They animate every syllable, and it's like you don't. Need but it's not continuous. Is you didn't the have thing. to do it's it's uncanny valley. It's like nobody else does that. A little bit. Nobody it, goes like this with their mouth going out. And you can you know you you can tell yeah, by the way I'm talking, listener, that it's like. You know, I'm going, you know, everything's really, really, blah, 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 and, and everything is happening like this. And it's like, no, if you look at most people's mouths, they don't move all that much. Like a lot of puppets. They talk like they're constantly doing vocal exercises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like puppeteering, they say, do not open up the puppet's mouth on every single one. They say, do it on like all the accented syllables and stuff like that. I'm not a puppeteer, yeah, yeah. but. Yeah. I, really? I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah. It, uh, but, you got that persona. Got but the, the, yeah, well, you got the shirt, certainly. But the, the, I'm the, not a puppeteer. The, no, I don't, but I, I heard that um, somewhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would never call myself a puppeteer. No, I mean, cut that out. It sounds like I don't like puppeteers. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> I just didn't want to give people, you know, I'm so talented to begin with. I didn't want people to think I had... Audience, wink, wink. wink. <laughs> Phil is not a puppeteer. Wink, wink. Oh, <laughs> he thinks he doesn't protest of, uh, too much. One other point of audio that I did want to point out. I'm sorry I didn't get to it back when we were talking about the Daleks, but the way they all overlap their speech like around, yeah. that is super cool and uncanny. They keep like, repeating what, themselves like just because... They're doing a round. They're creepy. doing row, row, row your boat. The act of vocalizing and showing that you are committed to the you know collective authoritarian yes. nature of themselves is more important than listening to what they're saying. 
exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you for dragging it back it's to a, an it's authority. It's an Orwellian uh, throat speak, whatever it's called. It's very good. But I, I just like the way they all overlap saying the same things. It makes it feel, again, to Phil's point, it makes them feel alien and dangerous. That they are, like, you hear, like, one thing growling versus many different things growling in slightly different cadences. That's just a very, like, oh, I am prey here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, it, it's just a very different uh, sense of it. Some other things I really liked from the animation were, um, like, if you look at the original I'm, from what I can tell is a lot of the time, because that, that plunger really is just a plunger. It doesn't actually suck things. They often just bolted or taped things to it. I so, don't think they... Like, a large plot point is that the plunger can't flip a switch. Right. <laughs> which so, I think is pretty in great. The animation, so when he brings him the tray, the plunger is still just sticking out as a plunger, and they've just bolted the tray to this Dalek. But in the other <laughs> one, they kind of made it so that, like, clearly there's some mobility to that to that plunger. And it's like, mm-hmm. that, that was really cool. Um, there was another thing that I was like, uh, they, they synced up the footsteps really well. Like when they were on the stairs and then it was suddenly not, they did that really well. Um, and there was an overhead shot of the Daleks that just sweeps up, which they obviously could not have done. And it was like this really neat stuff. Um, there was some really good choices. Whenever they pan across a background, whenever they pan across a background, it's, it's kind of that same feeling of, oh, you're doing some really good sci-fi things with the amount of animation you feel like you're putting like you don't want us to be walking around this set the entire time presumably they designed the thing as a series of sets but you do want to give it the feeling of being in more of a of a complete location mm-hmm. so they'll do like a pan across to kind of set you into and that's this a more modern lab. sensibility if you look at a lot of modern tv shows you're going to see that a lot of there's a lot of just subtle cameras you know sliding and yeah. that was harder to do back then um, right and so they do it you know if you can do that Occasionally. Yeah, yeah, it looks cool. So it it sounds overall like we were all pretty, you know, pretty up on this uh, serial, and I'm I'm curious to know because of how much Doctor Who you've watched, Phil, is if somebody is deciding, you know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into Doctor Who, I'm gonna try and hit. I don't really feel like watching everything, but I'm gonna hit the stuff that's good about it. Do they watch this, and where in that sequence does it go? Well, I would say I wouldn't start here for a couple reasons. One, it's not an extant thing. If, if you start here, you're going to be like, oh, Doctor Who's a cartoon. And even if you know it's not a cartoon, you might get used to it pretty quickly to be like, oh, this is you know animated. So right. um, if this were still extant and you could still watch it, I don't know if I'd necessarily say start here um, because the Doctor's undergoing a transition, which even the writers hadn't totally figured out. Um, it's this. The show is still slightly in its infancy when it's still trying to figure out what the whole, you know, theme and feeling of the show is. Um, and I think the show at this point too is also a little inconsistent. And I think the story had a couple inconsistencies. Like we've 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 commented on the things that annoyed us, which is like the Doctor is not very forthcoming with what he's doing. It's very mm-hmm. hard to tell that. who he is. That annoyed what. you. I like that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't like that, and I think it would be. Conf- I, I found it confusing as someone who understands who the doctor is from having watched. I guess what does my spreadsheet say here? Seventy percent, something like that. Um, <laughs> and even I found it like, wow, that would have been baffling. But so I don't know. I I liked it though. Like w- if yeah. someone said, hey, I'd like to see a good story. What are you watching right now? I'd say, oh, maybe maybe not the best place to start, but you totally could start here. It's it's, it's like, not a bad oh, story. I've I've gotten I've started watching Doctor Who. I decided to watch the older stuff. I watched through all of Tom Baker's. What's a good next thing? 
if someone is starting at zero, I always say this: Do you do you do you like? Can, can you watch old TV? Like, do you like old TV? I would start with Tom Baker. If if you'd yeah. rather start with something more modern, definitely start with Eccleston and just go forward. Um, another way you could it. do it, and I have a friend who did this, and I actually, in a way, I would almost do this too because personally, I think the writing was better here. Start with Matt Smith if you like modern TV. Watch. You think Matt Smith's writing was better? Yes. Wow. Much more consistent. Um, I thought the arc from the first Matt Smith season was better than any arc they'd done before. It was bored me. Yeah, I got bored. I didn't oh, like man, it. Ben, you and I, I, I think, I think you need to tell me the shows you hate, and I'll go watch them. But um, so, <laughs> uh, I would say this: if you don't mind old TV, I would say start with maybe Tom Baker. I think, to be honest, I think not, nothing against Bill Hartnell, and certainly nothing against Patrick Troughton or. Uh, um, Pertwee, Pat, you know John Pertwee. I do feel like when you hear what they kind of wanted the show to be about, which was about a guy who is mysterious, a little weird, but a twinkle in his eye. I think Tom Baker captured that the best. Yeah, he, he has all of that, and I think all of them have them in varied degrees. But if I you think wa- we have that here pretty strongly. Yeah, I think I think here it, it's actually closer. I think I think he's far more friendly, and I think he's much more like an uncle as opposed to a grandfather. He's like yeah. a trickster. He's like a leprechaun. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think Tom Baker's um, his altruism is more apparent. I think it's very clear yeah. that like he'll be he's he's kind of like a Harpo Marx in space who talks, and yeah. he's, he's just kind of. He's benevolent, though, and I think that that comes across a little bit more. Like, he can turn on a dime and suddenly go, Ooh, time to stop joking around. We've got Daleks to destroy. You know, and it's like, he suddenly goes, I I think he knows when to not be weird and to be serious. And I think that's what I like about Tom Baker the most, is that for the most part, he's just delightfully bizarre. Probably in a way that Tom Baker probably is a little bit delightfully eccentric, you know? Right. but he's also like, I, I think oh, it's time to take things seriously, isn't it? Yes. And it's nice because he, he tells you you don't have to get sidelined by the plot about it. I, I do think that's true. And I think this one, you know, has some issues with it. But I, I will be thankful to this, you know, the power of the Daleks because of how well it got across what the Daleks are to me in a way that a lot of the mm. other ones haven't. Which which ones have you? I, I honestly haven't watched much. I, m- most of my familiarity is with the Tenth Doctor. I would agree with you. I think the Daleks are clearer here. I think that open. I mean, let's talk about the Christopher Eccleston one, just Dalek, where it's basically it. a, a blue bottle. You know, I mean, a um, a, a bottle episode where a bottle episode, yeah, where it's just them kind of yelling at each other. Like, as some that's one of my favorite episodes with Eccleston, though, and, and it says more about him than anything else. It's an interesting episode. I, to be honest, watching that, I was kind of like, how does someone who's never seen a Dalek before? take this episode because I'm coming in from this one where they're just evil. There's no reasoning with them. They're basically just Terminators on wheels. Like that's really all they are. But to have this sort of, it was a very, I love the episode too, Ben. Don't get me wrong. I just was Mm -hmm. questioning because like, it's a very interesting thing of like, I would love to destroy you, says the doctor. And it's like, well, that's not really cool. Like you just (laughs) said, basically you want to do what to this race? Say it. It begins with an E, Doctor. What do you want to do to the Daleks? You want yeah. to exterminate them off the face of the universe, don't you? And right? that's that's not you. You're Sherlock that. Holmes. You want to extrapolate. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think it's an interesting episode, but it's also a very odd first Dalek episode because it, it mm-hmm. makes them almost sympathetic. I think that's the... I think that's the... I think... Mm, 
I think the point of that episode is not to cast the Dalek as sympathetic, but to cast Christopher Eccleston as the Doctor as being hateful to some degree. Like, he's not Mm. our... Like, that was what I really found compelling about him. Kind of your point to Tom Baker flipping on the serious switch is that there is an element of the Doctor that isn't just fun and games and benevolence. There's an element to him that is hateful. Well, and actually, I mean, Bill Hartnell is the OG hateful Doctor. Like, very disregard. (laughs) Just kidnaps two people in episode one. I mean, that's disturbing in and of itself. Um I, I think it takes a while for him to lose that benevolence. I mean, by the time he's Peter Davison, he's just your older brother. I mean, he's like, I say, Tegan, why don't we go over here? Oh, dear. Oh, let's protect everybody in the world and let's try to. That is that. how our older brother talks, to be yeah, fair. That's mine, too. He's um, weirdly British. <laughs> yeah. But um, by the time the sixth doctor, they oddly went, mm, you know how much people just love it when there's a new doctor and nobody has any separation anxiety with it and they just go along for the ride? What if we actually made the doctor evil during his transition until his brain gets unscrambled? Not so a, tell us how you really feel. Not a good idea. <laughs> it's actually a great. I, I actually kind of liked it. The twin dilemma. I thought it was actually really cool. But it's a yeah. weird way because most people have real they 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 cling yeah. to the previous doctor like with with their talons um and so do i i i got to christopher eccleson first and nothing hit me the same way i will say uh doctor who revenge of the nerds that we watched today i i think that it was really uh that this is pretty close to my ideal fun doctor like i like yes, a fun doctor he's a very and fun i like doctor. a really tragic doctor this is Near the top of the fun doctor, well, it and goes, it's also really he, good for he, the Daleks. He seems like if he had a little more prep time, he would almost be like Kevin in Home Alone. Like he, He's going to yes. set up new traps and be whimsical about it. <laughs> also a movie I've never seen, but yes. He's not clever at all in this, You're fine. is he? <laughs> but um, um, I will say this. It goes serious doctor, fun doctor, serious doctor, fun doctor, serious doctor. That's what I like about and, this And one, then yeah. when we get to the new stuff, it's more serious doctor, fun doctor, fun doctor, serious doctor. And now we're back to fun doctor. It's just a very interesting series. There's nothing else really quite like it. And the fact that, it, at least in principle, all of these characters are the same person, this, it, it really... It tells you a lot about like the human, the range of human emotion and experience and how one man in his time may play many parts. This sort of Shakespearean thing. I would love to see a Shakespearean Doctor Who. Anyway... Anyway, yeah, I, th- I do think we could we could literally talk about this forever. But let's I think it's do time it. To, no, let's I, not. I, no, I think it's time not. to. I'm hungry. What he meant is we can to do that. Oh, in any case, this oh. was this was a good. Uh, no, you didn't explain good, that. You see, this was definitely <laughs> a good exposure for me to watch, particularly because I found it so funny unintentionally. But that's yeah. my own spin on things. Phil, thank you for having us watch. Oh this. my god, thank you. Um, this was great. Before we. Yeah, no problem. This I, we're gonna have to pick your brain about this more some other time. I'm sorry that we only have so much time to like talk to you about it. We I, I think we can both we can all agree we could talk about this probably for hours. More, and I want to tell the audience, you know, we we had a lot to really get to and a lot of meaty stuff. And so Phil was sort of constrained into his uh, knowledge based role. Phil's a really weird and like aggressive improviser. So go listen to some empowered episodes if you if you want that side <laughs> of him. <laughs> It's very, oh, very good, good, weird aggression on that one. <laughs> Phil, is there anything that you'd like to plug before we wrap up? Well, let's see. Um, well, one thing, I was recently in an episode of Smithsonian Channel's America's Hidden Stories, and uh, I'm in the episode called Lady Spies. I'm not even sure you see my face, honestly. I may be 
I may have like, yeah, I may be like, but anyway, so I'm in that. You're in real ass TV. What's that? You're in real ass TV. Real ass TV. Never mind. Real ass. Real ass TV. Oh, oh, um, I guess. Um, We have a limited range of adjectives here. Yeah. That's all I got. Um, And yeah, I think some improv on some, uh, on some, whatchamacallit, some, some, uh, some empowered and. uh, Do you have any social media? No. No, okay, he's good. far too old. No, I don't. Far too old. Nice. I that's mean, the, I think the, I have. I have something. I think the the tweet thing, whatever that is. Um, oh, fuck! Yeah. I barely have that. I know. He, I, he has us as companions to handle this sort of thing for him. I see. Yes. Very I, I, I genuinely. I, I, I. You know, it's funny. I take a lot of pictures when I'm out and about, and everyone goes, "Oh, are you going to post those later?" And I go, "No, <laughs> these are for me." Oh, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. Like, I hate oh, the notion of. I hate the practice of Instagram posting. But uh, in any case, I think my last Instagram yeah. post was three years ago. <laughs> I've never created an account. Go <laughs> us. Um, in any case, yeah, go ahead and check them out on Hidden Histories. Was that was it? Uh, hidden, hidden Stories. stories. Something like that. America's hidden stories. hidden stories. Go check them out on that. Go check them out on Empowered. He is a delightful rap scallion, and he has a lot of weird enthusiasm, yeah. as I'm sure you are aware of. And if you want to go and check us out or drop us a line, you can go to our Facebook page. You can go to cartoncast.com or fancybat.com. You can email us um, by going to our contact page there. I swear it works. Somebody did it recently. I'm not joking. Um, And you can go to uh, Apple Podcasts to give us a rating or review. Um, And more than anything else, you can just tell your friends about the show. Zane. Now, Ben. I forgot to first say what we were doing next time. Yeah, Ben, what are we doing next time? Thank you, Zane. Uh, well, we, we're on the docket for another anime, so we're going to be checking out Outlaw Star. There we go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. A nice long, nice long anime to sink my teeth into. Mm-hmm. Zane, are... what are we doing after that? Well, Ben, I kind of got captured by this animation style. Uh, like, like we said earlier, it is kind of reminiscent of Archer, but I didn't want to do Archer. But I remember another show that I've been meaning to check out for ages now that kind of looks like it, so I think we're going to watch Frisky Dingo. Really? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Alright. Wow, that's that's a high-profile one. Ulysses is going to have to definitely definitely come <laughs> in for that. Um, yeah, cool. Well, we'll I guess we'll check oh. out Frisky Dingo. If you have anything to say about Frisky Dingo or about our, uh, Outlaw Star... Please go to our contact page and drop us a line. Um, and yeah, I'll thank just, you, thank you so much for joining us, Phil. This thank was, you. Uh, yeah. This was real fun. Yeah, I'll just say this: there are worlds out there where the sky is burning, the seas sleep, and the rivers dream. People make of smoke and cities made of song. Somewhere there's danger, somewhere there's injustice, and somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace, we've got work to do. <laughs> Listen, Dad, if you are going to talk about naughty things in front of these American girls, then at least speak English English. All right, my son. I could have had it away, but it's cracking Judy, my old China. Are you telling pork pies in a bag of tripe? Because if you are feeling quickly, why not just have a J. Arthur? What, Billy? No, mates. Too right, youth. Don't you remember the crimbo din din we had with the grotty Scotsman? Mm. Oh, the one that was all sixes and sevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah she was a travelling striper. The Morris dancer lived up the apples and pears. Oh, yeah, yeah, she was the barrister that became a yeah. bobby and a lorry. And they gave her the. Yeah. <laughs>